Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Wise Guys. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, ysguys.com, the number one BYU sports live stream show in the entire world, and we have such a great show tonight. Yeah, so much coming your way. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube. We mention this every week. We'll put the link in the chat so that you can uh, click on that. Hit subscribe. It's free. We're also live on Facebook, Twitch, and ysguys.com, ysguys.com. Right out of the gate, a shout-out from Neil in Tucson, uh, Jonathan... I want to say from Harriman, and let's see, White Plains, New York. Yeah, I, I love Eric White, is I like, in. Love White Plains coming at us. This is like uh, uh, Maddie's in from Logan. From Fred, yep, he wants to talk about Travis of co- Kelsey of course, and Taylor Dr. Swift. Ketch, always joining us from Vegas. Always, <laughs> always, always. Maddie Floyd. Um, she wants to hear hot takes on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I, I actually and Dave can attest. Was I not texting back and forth with Andy Reid, right? Right yeah. that, yes, that you couple were. days. I was so I was texting back and forth with Andy. Um, but we were not addressing the Travis Kelsey no. Taylor Swift issue. So no. I cannot say that I'm an that expert hadn't on happened that. Yet. Mike from Beaumont, Texas, Amber in from New York City, and uh, our regulars are are here and we hope to have so many more. Hey Amber, my kids are back in the city, so maybe we'll have to get you guys together. They're they just finished the Moulin Rouge tour in uh, the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. They're back uh, in the Upper West Side, back uh, in Manhattan. So if you're in New York City, maybe you'll have to run into Libby in Dallas. Josh from Lehigh. Hey, Josh. Uh, follow us at ysguys.com. And did you already pitch the interviews? Did you say that already? No, no. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, our library there is awesome. And uh, for those who are regulars to this show, you know who's been on this show. Uh, for those who... Uh, are new to the show or just want, you know, to hear from some of the legends that have passed through. They're all waiting for you at ysguys.com. Uh, Danny Ainge, DeMarie Osmond, Kyle Van Noy, by the way, who signed with the Ravens today. He's going to start with the practice squad. We'll see where it goes from there. Kyle Van Noy interviewed a Sherry Dew, Ty Detmer to Max Hall to Steve Young, and many, many more. Hundreds, it seems, are there at ysguys.com. And let me tell you, let's start tonight with uh, C.J. Boyer sent us in a note. It said, as a KU fan, got to say respect to you guys and the other fan channels, BYU fan channels I've seen. You're not arrogant, but you're also knowledgeable of your opponents and realistically optimistic. Welcome to the Big 12. Nice. That's, That's really, nice. really great. So Good job. And in our, uh, our pregame show, um, the, I'm telling you, the University of Kansas had some really great stories. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's some folks that are, are um, associated with the university there that have done some great things, and we were able to highlight that. We're going to do that every week on our game day shows. We're going to have some stuff from each university in the conference and so that you as BYU fans can get to know um, our Big 12 family and we're, we're going to make sure we do that and that Kansas team wow we're going to get into breaking that down a little bit more that's a really balanced uh, really good offensive football team so. Alan from Lake Winnipesaukee Winnipesaukee Lake Winnipesaukee hey Alan good to have wow. you here Beaumont, uh, Texas. Mike, yeah. just me. You got? Did you get that one? Yeah, got that one. And uh, we, we'll try to give you uh, shout-outs throughout the night. So please let us know where you're watching our stream from. And, of course, we, we welcome you on YouTube and 
Facebook. We're still, we're still waiting for Panama, the Philippines, Singapore, Japan, Australia's Singapore, been here with us, Australia. England. We want them all. And we got a lot to talk about. Our show could be five hours, but it's not. No, can't, tonight, can't be. Can't tonight, be. Uh, what, we got Naperville, uh, Illinois. Yeah, Naperville, just not, not too far from Chicago. Can we call it a suburb Russ, of Chicago, Russ? I think we can, North we're, suburb. We're all pulling for the Cubs. Olympia, Washington in the house, Stephen Marks, just south of... Uh, and a beautiful, I love Olympia. It's like right a, by the water. Very, south, south of Seattle, beautiful area. Do you remember Larry King Live? Yeah. Where he'd just go, yeah. take questions and say, uh, Stockholm, hello. And then it, it feels like that as everyone's hopping yeah. on. Mike, Mike just me asked if we'd heard any final number on how many books were provided the service project that, that were provided there for uh, the uh, Native American nation there. Yeah. 2,000, by the way. Very awesome. Um, and... Um, and by the way, uh, Judge Blood, who was on our show last week, was also on uh, BYU Sports Nation Game Day, uh, talking about uh, she was kind of spearheading that whole thing. And I'm looking here for the uh, final thing, but it's 2000, and um, and it's just awesome. Um, should be. We'll come to it. We'll come to it. Yeah. But Cougar fans shown up uh, as they always do. And uh, in grand fashion, um, I think that's actually here at the end. That was just a final note once we get to it. Um, 2,000 books to support the Lawrence Public Schools Native American Student Services. And so we give a shout out to Judge Blood and all the alumni, uh, both in the Lawrence area and, and from all over the country who sent in support. Well done, Cougar Nation. So Russ corrects me. He says that Naperville's west suburbs, not north. I don't know why I thought it was a little bit north. Okay, Isaiah's um, here from I guess, Weatherford. I guess Lake, Lake Forest, where Jim McMahon used to live. Is that north? I think that's north, right, Russ? Weatherford, Texas. Uh, Raymond from St. George. Uh, Jess from Saratoga Springs. So here's what we got coming up tonight. You want to call your friends and have them jump on That's here. right, because we've got big stuff. The Big 12 basketball schedule was released today. So we know who BYU will play first. Yes, we, we do. We know who they have home and homes with. We know who they only get once a big name in Provo. We know who they only get once not in Provo on the road. So we'll, we'll have a little discussion about that. Uh, what BYU could have done to beat Kansas. We're going to talk about that. And later, former Cougar quarterback Charlie Peterson is going to join us. He'll size up Keaton Slovis. And what he hopes to see Friday night against Cincinnati, we'll preview the Big 12 home opener. Uh, Bearcats radio analyst, Hall of Famer, Jim Kelly is going to be with us. Yeah. The other Jim Kelly. That's right. Cincinnati's well, Jim Kelly, it, well, not the Bills Jim Kelly. It's the football Kelly. Jim Kelly, but it's the other football Jim <laughs> Kelly. So, so that's later on. And that should be fun. And each week we're going to try to bring to you um, somebody from next that, that week's opponent that's an expert um, and can give us a little bit of a scouting report. Um, hey, how about soccer flying high after beating Texas last night? They're home against Cincinnati on Thursday. Uh, I noticed the coaches' poll just came out today. BYU is number six in the country in that coaches' poll. I think they're better than six, but hey. Nobody in front of them lost this no, week. Six is six is How about they beat Texas good. last night in well, Austin? And, and I noticed Big 12-wise, like the next closest team is down there a ways. Yeah. So. Spencer Linton's going to call Thursday's game for ESPN Plus, BYU TV. Spencer Linton, he's going to join us here in just a few minutes. Yep. And then volleyball makes its Big 12 debut. Um, and you know what? They made it. And they, I, we went to, Brendan and I went to the Houston game. Um, they also played Baylor. And guess what? BYU uh, volleyball, women's volleyball looks uh, like they belong right at the top yeah. of that league. We'll have the poll update for you yep. there. And they've got a big 
showdown coming up this week as uh, they settle into the Big 12. So that's what's coming up on the show, plus all of your comments. So send them in. I know you have a lot of questions about the game. Send those in, too, as well, and we'll try to talk about it. 38-27, Kansas beats BYU. Not the end of the world. The Cougars can win Friday, and if they do, they'll be 4-1 and one coming out of September in their first year as a P5. And that's, that's pretty good. That's about as good as anyone could hope for. And we're right there, knocking on the door. Jayhawks scored 21 points off three BYU turnovers, 14 directly. I wrote an article in the Deseret News. You can find it at Deseret.com about how sometimes charity does faileth. Yes, it does. And they got to get selfish Friday night. But they also got to do, Blaine, is they got to run the football. Yeah, 22 rushes for nine yards. They averaged 0.4 yards, if you're doing the math at home, per carry. And, and, and it hurt that they didn't run the ball well early. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit on AFR. If you just watched AFR uh, with Dave Nixon and I and Dave, talked about running a little bit. There, there's many times in a game when you, you know, you want, I think BYU needs to run for four yards a carry or more. I don't care if they get 150 yards a game. I don't care if they get 70 or 80. I feel like when they do run over the course of the game, they, they need to average four yards a carry. Not .4 yards a carry. No. As, as Trevor Maddich said on Sports Nation Monday, um, they're averaging two. And then he goes, and I'm not talking about two yards. I'm talking about two feet they averaged in that last game, which is, which is really discouraging. He's, he commented on that show that he thought maybe it wasn't fixable this year. Yeah, what do you think and, about and that? that? Have to go, I, I think he's a little more pessimistic than I am. I mean, here's I think, a guy who was your center. Yep. He, he had to run block. And pass block. He's had it with this group. Yeah. He's uh, he's given up earlier than I am. Uh, and, and I don't know that this is the week to fix it. And we're going to get into Cincinnati a little bit. But their defensive front, um, especially with, you call him the godfather, Corleone. Don, Dante Corleone. Yeah, but, but, but Corleone is a, a, a forced to be reckoned with along with Briggs. They, they have two NFL caliber defensive linemen on the Cincinnati. We'll get into the whole thing with them. I don't know if this is the week that you fix the running game. I think you can make improvements in it. Some of it I think you can fix with scheme. You have to adapt the scheme to the talent you have up front. Um, seems like they have a lot of unblocked players. Um, hey, you want to know what? If guys are missing blocks and they're missing assignments and you've got somebody behind them that maybe isn't quite as talented, uh, but they get their assignment right. You got, you got to play the person that does what they're supposed to do, in my opinion. So, so we're you know I think there's some things that they can do. I think scheme can help. I also think that early in the game, and this is backward to what pump, some people think, but I hate to go back to the, what we used to do. But but guess what? Back back in the late '70s and and '80s through through the the mid '80s. We didn't worry about establishing the run early in a game. We established the pass, and we had the, the quick throw game as an extension of a run game. So we'd throw a bunch of quick screens, a screen out to the left. You make the whole offensive line and defensive line run to the sideline. And then you screen over to the right, and then they run over to that sideline. Then you run a center screen where you let them rush all the way up the field, and you get rid of it right before they get there. Yeah. Pretty soon, these guys, these big defensive linemen, Corleone, who's 330 pounds, been running sideline to sideline, play after play after play, and now you, now you run it at him, and guess what? He doesn't have much left in the tank 
to go chase your running back. And so there's our, there are ways you can use the pass game to set up your run game. And, and I think they need to think really creatively about how they do that because they're just not knocking people off the ball right now. BYU Sports Addict with us from Farmington, Utah. Lancey Boo Boo jumping in from South Salt Lake. Good to have you here. Uh, David's in from the Tri-Cities, Washington State. And um, everybody, the whole world comes to wise Does somebody's guys. handle outside the echo chamber i like that outside the echo chamber that is cool uh at byu Statsman tweeted through four games the cougars have 244 yards rushing which is the fourth fewest rushing yards by a byu team to start a season since at least 1956 and the worst since 2004 they're working on that the linemen are bugged they're yeah. going to work it all week. They're going to try to run the football Friday night. Yeah, I, I think they will. And like I said, I don't know that this is the week that you fix it all. And to me, it's not about, hey, you know what? We have a yardage goal. We're going to get 125 yards rushing. I don't think that needs to be the goal. Just get enough. Get, just get four yards of carry and take what the defense gives. If they load the box with eight people, throw it. But, but throw it and make them back off and then run it. And when you do run it, be effective. Draws and those types of things to take advantage, misdirection to take advantage of aggressive Ds like Kansas and, and average four yards of carry. And if you carry it 20 times, if you throw it 50 and you run it 20 in a 70-play day, BYU had 72 plays this last week, a 70-play day, I'm, I'm okay with 80 yards rushing on 20 carries. What I'm not okay with is nine it's just no, no, no. And, and points and point zero four four per rush outside the echo chamber. We're going to deal with injuries uh, and answer your question here in a moment. Love Keaton Slovis. He, he's such a good guy off the field, on the field. He threw for 357 yards, two touchdowns. His pick six was a deflected ball. He threw behind Isaac, mm-hmm. but Isaac tipped it up into the air and and the Kansas was there and ran it in for a touchdown. No running game, but Slovis threw for 357. Um, has a chance to get BYU through the first five games at 4-1 and one with a win on Friday night. Uh, he's not a runner, okay? He's not Jaron Hall. He's not Zach Wilson. He's not Taysom Hill. But as Kalani has said and Aaron Roderick has said, he can sling it. And uh, if it comes to it that BYU is not going to be able to run all season, which is, which is really, really not a good thing, Slovis can toss it around all season. Yeah. And remember, Slovis played in an offense at USC – uh, his first couple years where they didn't worry about throwing it 50 times a game. No. You know, he was in that in kind of an air raid type setup, a, a spread offense where he was just throwing it every down. He's completely comfortable doing that. But j- just like I, we were talking about at USC, they had such good talent at wide receiver that they got the ball quickly out in space to those Throw slot receivers. Yeah. Bunch of screens. Just let yeah. him go. Throw 10 screens in the first half this week. Make Cincinnati chase the football all over the field. Spread that defense out. Wear them down at elevation. And then guess what? In the, in the second half, the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, if you got the lead and you need to run the ball, you probably are going to have a tired front seven that you are able to push around a little bit. And then you average seven or eight yards of carry, and the 2.5 you had in the first two quarters doesn't matter because at the end of the game you average four or 4.5. Remember at the Arkansas game, in that fourth quarter, Arkansas was tired on both sides of the ball. And mm-hmm. BYU got pressure with three guys or four yeah. guys on the defensive line. And on the offensive line, they did just enough with running, didn't do a lot of running, but did just enough where play action worked. And you think about Keaton Slovis's game-winning touchdown pass to Chase Roberts in the corner, 
That's because Arkansas had to worry about LJ coming out of the backfield. Right. And so they, they complement one another. There's some things you can do to help with that. And I know that BYU's thinking, you know, coaching staff's thinking schematically, what do we do differently? How do we approach play calling a little bit differently? And, you know, and on the defensive side of the ball, um, I'll give you a little bit of hope here. After breaking down the film and, and looking through it, um, the, the word is that the, the bigger run plays that they got, and remember, Kansas uh, averaged six yards a rush. They, they had 37 rushing plays. They threw the ball 19 times, and they ran at 37. So they're a little unbalanced the mm-hmm. other way. Um, they only had 130 yards passing. That's 150 yards below their average. But, and they ran for 221. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh. Well, guess what? They averaged 217. Yeah. So they're slightly above their average running the ball. They were extremely below. That for, I, If you don't turn the ball over three times, as miserable as BYU was running the football, holding Kansas to 352 yards a game when they were averaging 500 yards of offense and controlling their pass game, that's enough to win. But, but BYU was very disappointed especially in the second half and their ability to stop the run. And it wasn't about guys getting pushed around. It was bad run fits. And we're going to talk about that in our pregame show on yeah. Saturday. Dave Nixon Friday. and I are, Yeah, on Friday. Right. That's right. Um, it's about guys understanding the concepts and then being in the right gap that they're supposed to be in. And most of the big run plays that Kansas got were mistakes. So those are fixable, right? And Kansas is hard to defend. Not very many teams can run the number of schemes that Kansas runs and be effective at all of them. Think about this. In that game, you saw Kansas run open option. You saw them run um, uh, read option. You saw them run zone read. You saw them run run pass option. You saw them run direct quarterback run. You, you saw them run power. You saw them run counter. And then they had a fairly sophisticated pass game. Teams don't like no. That's a hard team to scout. But you know when you do that? You do that when you have a veteran quarterback and 10 returning starters on offense. And they had that. And they played well. And I'm curious to see how they play against yeah, Texas Yeah, it'll be interesting because Texas is so talented. Now, Cincinnati this week, um, they have two returning starters on offense. And one of them is not the quarterback. That's, that's a, a transfer. Different. Their receivers are all transfers. Their quarterback's a transfer. They're they're very skilled, and they're talented, but they don't run seven completely different schemes that you've got to defend. I expect BYU to be much better on defense from an assi- assignment um, uh, situation where they're going to be who they're supposed to be. Keep in mind, Cincinnati's numbers offensively are very similar. They run yeah. it for over 200 yards a game. They like to run the ball. They throw it for over 200 yards a game. They're balanced. They just don't run as many different things to defend. So I think BYU should look smarter out there because there's less to prepare I'm for. I'm excited. I'm excited for the game. And David... Uh, Said, hey, not to change the topic too much, but congrats to the Lady Cougs beating Texas in soccer. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, so hang with us. Uh, and you can interrupt our thoughts anytime you want. Absolutely. That doesn't mean we're going to start talking about soccer, but we're going to tell you when we're going to start talking about soccer. That's right. What a, Cougar Nation, what do you think of Darius Lassiter? The transfer comes in. He's starting to get more looks. Had eight catches for 84 yards, caught a touchdown at Kansas on Saturday. He is now, you know, with Cody Epps still out with a hamstring and Keanu Hill not right yet, but he's trying to play. Uh, Lassiter has certainly gotten on uh, Keaton Slovis' radar. Mm -hmm. Big target at 6'3". I think we're going to see more and more of him. And the thing about Lassiter is, the word out is he's smart. And to play in this offense, not only do you need to be skilled, you need to be able to... Not only know what you run when you break the huddle with the play that's called, but also know 
when the quarterback changes the play, what your route changes to, or when the coverage yeah. changes, how you adjust your route. Darius is picking up this offense pretty quickly, and uh, and you see it in his production. He's another big receiver at 6'3", and I, I really like his progress. Doesn't he just seem like he's getting better every single game, and he's earning the trust of Keaton Slovis? So, Absolutely. And now imagine, and who knows when this is going to be, but you get that hamstring feeling healthy. Cody Epps comes back, and he's playing. Keanu feels 100% healthy. Darius has now developed. And and you know who made a, a little bit of a – Improvement this last week too is Keelan Marion. Right, he's a little bit behind Laster in in terms of grasping the offense, but but he, he's he's not far behind. And when it's all said and done, this is a deep receiver group. Chase Roberts has been playing really well yeah. and consistently all season. Isaac Rex has been lights out at tight end. It's a good group. And if you have to throw the ball 50 times a game, I like that group. <laughs> Mike, just me, said the Lassiter story with his family was one of the better stories of the weekend. For sure, Amber says he really likes Darius. Great potential. I, I sat down with Chase Roberts. He's going to be our f- feature uh, Friday night on game day. And I uh, had a great conversation with Chase. He's playing well. But you know what we're going to talk about on Friday is uh, I said, Chase, what do you want all of your peers all over college football to know about serving a mission and and what it means to try to come back and play division one football after you've taken two years off because we hear coaches all the time go well they're older more mature they're this they're, they're that as if there's a competitive advantage i asked him point blank what advantage athletically did you get by serving two years in canada and you'll hear his answer and some of his thoughts that I thought he represented very well of like, um, hey, it is, uh, they're not mission trips, they're not vacations. And, and one thing that I'll tease you with on that is he said that uh, in many ways, missions are harder than college football. There you go. And so we're going to tackle that on Friday night. Well, 65 kids on the Cougar team are returned missionaries who've done that. And Chase Roberts is, 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 has NFL potential. Um, he's just a sophomore. He's BYU's best receiver. And, um, and he, of course, he had the one-hander against Arkansas. Look for that Friday night. I think he represents the school and the faith uh, very well in a topic that's always tossed around when BYU comes yeah, there, to play. There was a comment again on, on uh, game day, college game day, on ESPN about BYU's age again. Well, yeah, it was from that comedian. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go with Vaughn. BYU because, well, I can't even remember what he, he said. He said they're old enough to get a reverse mortgage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Half the team's got reverse mortgages. That's how old they are. So look for that so, on Friday. Um, BYU was up 17-14 on the road in the Big 12 at halftime. They had that, a chance to win that game. That's after they gave up a scoop and score. Scoop and score. And uh, the, 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 the concern is the injuries started to pile up a little bit in the second half. So we're going to roll down the guys who were out, and then, yeah. uh, and well, then I got well, a question for you. May, yeah, maybe out. Well, no, yeah. But we're right. out in the game. They at least well, went out at we some don't, point. We don't know the final on the first one, so we'll talk about that a little bit. So Ben Bywater went out with a shoulder. Um, and uh, I think the MRI was today, so we don't yeah, know. Yeah, we don't know on Ben. So uh, Parker Kingston, he got knocked into next week on that fumble on his first carry. Um, but he's been cleared. I just don't know if he's going to practice yeah, leading the up to the is, game. So remember, I mean, we, yeah, that's we, what thought, we, think. we thought that, uh, was it Wakely or Wall that got knocked a little silly the Wait, week I before? I thought it was Wakely. And we thought there's no way he'll come back, and he was cleared and played. Yeah. And so... 
The first two we don't know. Kingsley Suamantaia, he went out and then he came back. Yeah, everybody so he's forgot good. he played the last series. He's good to go. Waylon Lapuahu, he went out, might not see him. Yeah, this he week. had a, he had an elbow issue, and we we may not may not see him this week. Cody <laughs> Cody's just. Cody Epps. Who knows with Cody Epps? It's been a nagging hamstring problem that's bothered him since all through camp. And it's just not where he can feel like he can go full speed. So we'll see on Cody Epps. But that's been a big yeah. a big detriment to BYU's A little offense. frustrating, but yeah. uh, no one more frustrated than, than Epps. Uh, Aiden Robbins uh, didn't make the trip. He's, he's home dealing with an injury that, that might keep him out for a little while longer. But it's a legit injury. Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes with BYU, you know, they don't talk about injuries that aren't um, season-ending. Yeah. So if somebody has a season-ending injury, they just come up and they just say, hey, like I'm trying to think of who's out for the year. Oh, Hinkley Rapati. Right. You know, like out for the year with this, right? And and they just give it to you. If it's not season-ending, they just go, we don't talk about them if they're not season-ending. I wish we'll they would because it's a little part, bit of a disservice. Part, part of it is, um, and Dave Nixon was saying, well, here's the part I get. We were talking to him today. He goes, right. what if you have a rib injury? What if you have broken ribs? And you're going to come back from that. And you're just going to say, hey, he has a nagging injury. Because you come back, and the other team knows that you're coming back from broken ribs. They're going to hit you in the ribs. Sure. And so he says, some some of it makes sense to keep it quiet. So we get that, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the ones that we just talked about, those are n- none of those have, at least to this point, a season-ending injury. And, and here's what we can say about Aiden Robbins. He did not lose his job to freshman L.J. Martin. Right. He's injured and can't play, and L.J. Martin's the next best, best option. But Robbins is 6'3", 235, ran for 1,000 yards last year. When healthy, BYU can't wait to get him back. Right. And there was a, there was a little bit of a what, – what's the word? Mis, misinformation out there? And it's not misinformation. BYU just didn't just provide any. It's the lack any. of information. And so the lack of information got everybody like, whoa, the freshman beat out the 1,000-yard rusher. The thousand yard rusher got hurt, tried to go, couldn't. They sat him down to get him healthy, and and so LJ's had to play. Now LJ is a great young talent, but they need both of those guys. Yeah. And a hundred percent Aiden Robbins uh, down the stretch is going to be needed in this offense. All right, here's a question. Two questions. Oh, and did you mention Talon Alfrey? Oh, we'll get Alfrey. Okay. John uh, Crowder's asking, do we think that that was a targeting hit on Parker Kingston? Nope. Uh, no, we do not. Not even close. It was just a well, football pro- hit that was probably, wicked. It probably last year would have drawn a flag. And but they you notice re- they're not throwing as many They, they would have re- they're, they're not being so aggressive, and they yeah. can call it down from the booth, right? Yeah. And say, hey, we need to take a look at that this. That was a shoulder. It was he, wicked. He, he led with his shoulder, and, and we didn't show it on AFR. I was thinking maybe we should have. When a ball carrier has the ball, and you make an effort to lead with your shoulder, ball carriers many times will lower their head instinctively at contact. So they lower like this. If you go back and watch that in slow motion, the defender comes in with his left shoulder and forearm, and do their heads collide? They, they might. But you're going to notice that Parker's reaction as he's getting hit, he lowers the front of his head down a little bit. So even had their heads collided, it's different than if he's a receiver going across and he's defenseless and, they, and, and there's head-to-head contact. Running backs lower their shoulder, and with that, lower their head. There's lots of helmet-to-helmet contact yeah. um, that, that's not targeting. I, I, as I've looked at it multiple times, I feel like he came up so quick that LJ didn't block him. He beat the block to the spot. Yeah. Parker was unexpected. The last second, Parker ducked his head just a little bit. The, the defender, and it was Dotson, 
led with his shoulder and his arm, and that kind of collapsed up. Did their helmets touch? They might have. Yeah. But it, it does not meet the definition of targeting. It was a very good defensive football play. All right, before we get to Talon, Alfred, an update there. Uh, Defy Logic Tech sent us in this question that, uh, that I'm going to ask you. Uh, isn't it interesting that Aiden Robbins is a downhill runner, capitalized? Isn't it interesting that A-Rod designed a zone blocking scheme early on, which wouldn't fit Aiden Robbins' running style? And Robbins was the starter to begin the season. Isn't it interesting that Robbins has only had 10 touches in three games? I'm happy with what BYU's accomplished, but I'm not happy that we're having the same problems as we did last year in the running game. What's the term about doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results? Yeah, that's the definition of, of insanity. insanity. Um, we've, we've all noticed that. Chris Brooks, by the way, who struggled in the BYU run game for a lot last year, ran free for the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. Uh, sometimes talent and scheme are different from one another, but Aiden Robbins is hurt and got hurt early, and that's why he only has 10 carries. But downhill runners yeah. like, like, like uh, Chris Brooks and Aiden got to run downhill. Right. I think Aiden is better. Like, his skill set is better um, when BYU or when anybody that would utilize his skill get him – whether it's lining up next to the quarterback and running at the line of scrimmage or getting him in the pistol where he lines up behind the quarterback, especially in short yardage, or getting the quarterback under center, which BYU doesn't do a ton, and turning and handing it downhill, he's better with his shoulders and his hips starting square to the line of scrimmage and running toward the line of scrimmage. Then when he's having to cut to the cutback lane, putting his foot in the ground and cutting back on an angle or bouncing it, um, he sees better that way. You can just see it from his highlight film. Um or when he gets it, you know, on an angle off tackle, but with his hips and his shoulders going toward the tackle or the, or, or the tight end. And from a blocking perspective, he sees blocks better when they're down blocks and a, and a puller that's kicking somebody out and he cuts up inside the, the, the trap block. Yeah. Or when they're running counter where they bring a guard and a tackle. Typically when they do that, they pull a guard and a tackle. The guard kicks out and the tackle leads up. He's really good when he gets up in behind that tackle and then reads that block. Cuts inside yeah. the guard and reads that block or cuts back if they overplay the backside. He seems to have better vision that way than when he's running parallel to the line of scrimmage on, on like, let's say, an outside zone where, where the object in the outside zone is to spread that defense out um, and create these a vertical gaps in the defense. You, somebody chooses one side, another chooses another, it creates a gap. Tyler Algier phenomenal in that like Tyler Algier's vision and his ability to put his foot in the ground and accelerate quickly and hit that hole and break tackles off the charts right yeah and so here's the good news BYU has they have counters and powers and they they run outside zone they run inside zone too I like it when, and even inside zone is a little bit more downhill remember the first half of the Arkansas game when, when Kingsley came and pulled, they pulled Lapuahu and Kingsley. Lapuahu kicked out. Kingsley kicked out. LJ ran up inside. They, they, they do have that in their arsenal. It's not like BYU only runs outside stretch zone. They have all of that in their arsenal, um, and they need to do a, a better job of, of tailoring the play calling to the back that they have in the game and take advantage of their skills. Bell by DeVoe says, sorry I'm late. Uh, for, you're forgiven. Any update on 
Bywater's shoulder, and we talked about that a moment ago. No, we do not. And they, and and Bell Bidville is also asking if Bywater can go. Is Glasker next up? Glasker's one of the guys next up, but at the that Oregon in, transfer at that inside, it's Taggart. Taggart, yeah. Um, the Oregon transfer, and by the way, Taggart's been playing better and better every week, and so um, he was earning some playing time anyhow. Um, you know, he played last week when Ben went out, but but Taggart has as he's grasped this defense. After transferring down, um, he's been more and more impressive all the time. He's going to be a very good player. And so if Ben couldn't play, you'll see Taggart get some playing time. Glasker also gets some playing time because they'll rotate. They can take AJ, and they can slide him inside, and they can play Glasker on the outside. Um, and then, of course, Max, who's been playing solid all year, uh, Tuli is also there. So um, they're they're pretty good. And then the next guy, if we're going to go six deep, would be Kafusi. Ace. Yeah. So let's hope um, we don't go six deep. Yeah, but but I'm telling you, um, Taggart's solid. He can play, and so can Glasker. Yeah. And and Kafusi's just young and light. He's gonna be a phenomenal player. Reminds me of Alani Fua. We'll take Alani Fua at linebacker all day long. Yes, right? we will. So BYU's fairly deep. Now, let's keep in mind that Bywater, he's this team defensive leader. Yeah. Um, he makes a bunch of play calls. Gotta have He's him. fierce. He's two years in a row the leading tackler on this team. Like, let's hope that this MRI is is negative or that it's minor, and they can strap it up and have him play because he. I don't care who you put in there. there there's a drop off. Hope so. Hey, Richard uh, says, "Hey, just started to listen when my wife called me uh, for dinner. Back now, listening from Panama. Okay, so Panama, we're good where to have Panama you was. We're glad. Richard's we're going to listen to Kalani Sataki before we do. Talon Alfrey." is the center who, or the safety who started all last season, but he got hurt during camp. He's due back against TCU, which is in a couple of weeks. Remember, it's Cincinnati, then a bye week, then TCU. That's right. a huge gain for the defense. Oh, yeah. And here, in, in this defense, in Jay, Jay Hill's defense, it's fairly easy to put a new guy in at corner or on the D-line because the assignments are fairly simple and consistent regardless of the call. Um uh, and they can just kind of get after it. They ask a lot out of the out of the inside backers and out of the safeties in terms of recognition of formations, play callings, checks, all that kind of stuff. So it's way harder to play at safety without experience. Remember, Talon started a good portion of last season. Like, he's a veteran guy. He understands this defense. Not only is he really physical in the run game and, and understand the pass defense, he he's also... Um, really smart. And so to get Talon back would be a, a huge deal. Um, and it'll, it'll really help them with depth depth at that safety position. Because remember, they lost – before the season even started, they lost Micah, Harper. Micah and Talon, who were both – were, those were the starting two, were Talon and Micah. And they lost them both before the first game. So getting one of those two back would be huge. And all along, we've been told behind the scenes, look for him the week after the bye. All right, let's listen to Kalani Sataki. Here's his comments to kick off the week. And then Spencer Linton will join us on the other side of the head coach. DJ, will you roll that? Okay, well, uh, new week. So heading to a uh, game, uh, you know, looking at the uh, game five now and, and um, uh, right in the middle of conference play now. Uh, actually, you know, had a really, other than the loss, good experience in Kansas. I thought that was a good game. Um, proud of the guys. I'm proud of some things that we did. Obviously, uh, some errors to correct and, and get ourselves in a better position to 
have more success this week. Um, going against uh, Cincinnati, really uh, athletic, well-coached team. I mean, you look at uh, their head coach, uh, Scott Satterfield. Obviously, he's been a head coach longer than I have and has done some really good things at Appalachian State and did some great things at Louisville, too. So uh, he has a great staff. I know their, their defensive coordinators, uh, he, he's, he's got a great reputation for what he does with defense and offense. Obviously, they're, 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 they're well coached on, on all three phases, but um, looking forward to having them at home um, for, our, for our Big 12 home opener. And, um, and you know, coming off a loss, it, it, it actually helps to get, get on the field a day earlier. So we're excited for this game, being at home and then getting at the game on Friday. Looking forward to the matchup. There's great players on, on, uh, on Cincinnati's team. We have tons of respect for their, their program and, and especially those players that have seen a lot of success in their time. So uh, quality players all over the place. And, uh, again, I probably say this every week, especially in this conference. We love being in this conference. Uh, even after the first uh, game not going our way, we, we we enjoy being part of it. We're looking forward to having a lot more to play for this season, and uh, looking forward to you know the partnership that we have with all these these teams in the conference and uh, bringing uh, Cincinnati to our home is going to be a lot of fun for us. And looking forward to the crowd uh, being being a you know a, a advantage for us. And uh, we're looking forward to this to this matchup. So I'll take any questions you guys may have. Head coach Kalani Sataki setting the theme uh, tone for the week. Here's one thing he does like. Uh, red zone scoring. BYU is 15 for 15. That means inside the 20, they've scored every time, including 12 touchdowns. The only schools in college football that are doing better than BYU in the red zone, Wisconsin's 18 for 18, and Florida State 17 for 17, and then there's BYU 15 for 15. Yeah, and in terms of percentage, they're tied for first in the country. Um, so we'll say this. They've been very reliable, and their touchdown percentage is outstanding, right? That's a yeah. great percentage of the times you get down that red zone scoring touchdowns. They need to get there a little bit more. Um, but but that you know that's absolutely a good sign. Um, and, again, we, we can go back to this. There's a lot of things you'd like to do better in that game. You'd like to run the football better. You'd like to defend the run, run the, a little bit better than they did in that game. But the bottom line is you cannot turn the ball over no. for, to get 21 points off of turnovers – and win a football game. Just can't do it. A couple of surprises in the Big 12. I think Spencer's here. Hey, are you ready? Yeah, come on in. Sit down. Uh, come on, Spence. Big 12. The surprise last week, I thought West Virginia beat Texas Tech 20-13. to 13. West Virginia was picked dead last in the Big 12. Uh, Texas Tech lost their starting quarterback to a broken leg. It's going to be at least six to eight weeks. They play BYU October 21st, so he's out for that. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, I, and he's such I, a good I kid. I hate seeing that. Absolutely hate it. Uh, the big schedule, Big 12 schedule this week, uh, before we go over that, let's just bring Spencer in a little earlier. Pleasure to welcome a member of our game day roster. DJ is going to put his picture up in a second. Host BYU Sports Nation. Play-by-play announcer for BYU TV, the man who will be calling Thursday's BYU-Cincinnati soccer game on ESPN+. Plus. Say hello to our longtime friend and colleague, Spencer Linton. It's about time you got on the Wise Guys. I don't know what the problem is, but I'm glad we got all that worked out. I apologize that it took me so long. Where, what, where been, were you? We, been, I sent like, you the most simple like direction. Spencer, did. Spencer, Spencer. So like, your good friend Jack and I were just pulling a huge nail out of my rear left tire. What? So I'm going to have a flat tire when we're Wait, done with this why interview. Why didn't you just leave it in until you um, drove it to Big O? 
You should have seen the size of the nail. Did you just pick it up like out front, <laughs> or have you been driving around with it for a while? This is probably uh, a punishment for me turning into Osmond Lane and then oh, being yeah, they, in the wrong oh, place. Oh, because Osmond Lane, they get a little hey, bit Hey, by the way, Wait, nobody we don't knows say where, where, our, where we are. Our studio oh. is. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. You know, the Osmonds are all over the world. Well, I, was in the, it, I said yeah. I was in the wrong place. I it's, was in the wrong place, yeah. and that's why I got the nail. And then we, I came to the undisclosed for location. For security reasons, we took, call it undisclosed. Look, we're going to help you with your tire. That's the kind of guys we yeah. You're going to have to stay until the end of the show, though. The Big 12 this week, Kansas State and Oklahoma State have buys. So Friday night, Cincinnati, BYU. Saturday, Kansas is at Texas. Texas is up to number three. Uh, Houston's at Texas Tech. Baylor's at UCF. Iowa State's at Oklahoma. They're number 14. West Virginia's at TCU um, Saturday night. The Bearcats come in 2-2. Two and two. They beat Eastern Kentucky and Pitt. They lost to Miami, Ohio, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat them 20-6 back on Saturday. So we'll talk about that a bit later with Jim Kelly when he joins us. Weather forecast can be awesome. Friday night, a high of 76 in the day, low of 51, so we're in the 60s for, uh, for kickoff. And here's what the Cougars are going to look like. A DJ is going to put up the All-Royals as our live streamers are welcoming Spencer. That's a good look under the lights uh, on national TV. Royal from head to toe. Uh, the last time they wore these was uh, 2021 against Arizona. They won in those, so they're hoping to win in these. So it's a royal look. Will you be wearing your uh, royal shirts? That's what we're wearing on game day. Yes. Will, you be, will you be going complimenting that with the white pants? Probably. You, have, you have some royal pants, too. I do have royal pants, but it's so hard to match the specific color yeah, of the royal, royal polo royal. with the royal <laughs> golf pants. So, so you probably go white pants. Yes. Also, white pants Friday is a thing for me. Is that? So oh. it's... We're well, way past will Labor go, Day. Will you go that. royal shoes? Absolutely, I will go royal shoes. Okay, because I, I think I may go I may go royal okay. with gray slacks, <laughs> but then I'm going to go with royal sneaks. With gray soles. Ooh, I like that. And I think I'll go royal socks. By the way, Les from Santa Fe says that you meant to say Orchid Lane. That's what you meant to say, Orchid Lane. Orchid Lane? Where you got the nail in your your tire. in Lehigh. (laughs) DJ, will you put up our game day promo? Uh, We encourage you to be with us. we got a special game day Friday night, BYU TV, ESPN Plus, 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time, 2 hours uh, pre-game news features, live warm-up Dave shots. Dave always claims he's the only one actually working. Which is so... Because uh, he's cooking for the rest of us. <laughs> which which actually is everything you need to know about how this operation goes. Hey, somebody's got to tame the cougar. Someone's got to... That in and of its own right is a job. The fact that, that cougar's that had cougar. a shot, that thing's going nowhere. It's no, as no, docile that, the way as that it just stayed calm with Spencer was pretty amazing. <laughs> it's the and first I, Big I still 12. don't know what I'm holding on to. I think that's a cornhole game thing. I don't and, know. and I don't know what I'm pointing at. You're just, you're just pointing. I you're think just I'm trying pointing. to show off my left Let's tricep. Say, historic <laughs> night. It's the first Big 12 game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The football game starts at 10.15 Eastern. That's 10.15 Ohio time, Cincinnati time. 8.15 Mountain, the live postgame show back on BYU TV as soon as it's over. Friday night, kicks off conference weekend. Uh, it's just a special, special time of year. You were in Kansas doing our coverage from Lawrence. What was it like? A great college And he had town. two flyovers. Yes. They went over and then they came back. I've never seen that before. I've never experienced that in any major sporting event where you have two F-35s. And that in and of itself is pretty cool. And they flew by like 20 minutes earlier just at a higher altitude. Just scouting it out? Sure. And then they came by for the actual flyover at the end of the national anthem. 
and then like circled around and I'm still doing my live hit with you. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're going to fly by again. And it was, a, it was even lower and closer to the stadium. Um, a trip, it was a trifecta. Look, when you don't have mountains, you can just do U-turns with yeah. jets, fly right back over. There, a BYU no grad led the way. like they do when they come here. Did it, it feel like um, big time football? It did. I mean, it's yeah. not Texas. It's not Oklahoma. It's Kansas. But still, it, it did because for the first time you saw the Big 12 logo on the BYU uniform and on the opponent's uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was kind of a surreal experience um, to just think, wow, what a journey for this program, for this university, for BYU football, its fans, its alumni, its all the coaches and the, and the legends involved, everything that went into getting to that moment. Jets were flying over, and I thought, holy cow, BYU's going to play a Big 12 conference game. They're in a conference. They're in a Power 5 conference. And so that felt big time. Once the game started, I mean, you settle in, and it's time to go to war on the football field, and BYU's trying to win a game. And, it, you know, it hurts to lose the first game in the conference opener on the road. But, yeah, in that moment, that surreal experience – to just see the BYU fans and the Kansas fans converge yeah. and the sound of freedom flying over. and It's awesome. You're in a Power 5 conference officially when that ball is kicked off. Jets are – Jets elevate yeah, they, things. They change it. They give me goosebumps every time I watch them. It's all of a sudden it's a big event. And we're, we're always looking for it. Super now, cool. now, the week before, you were down in Arkansas. And certainly you're in the SEC on the road. That's a big-time environment. And, and they BYU had Jets account, too, right? And they, they, had, they, they had to fly over, right? Yeah. And, and so it's like big-time environment after big-time environment. Here's what's crazy. It still feels to me like it's really early in the season, and we don't know who this team is, but they're a third of the way through the season. 34 games in. Yeah, they're four games in. So, so, and you've been with them on the road uh, for two. We watched them at home. What do, you, what do you make of this team a third of the way into the season as they really now get into Big 12 play in earnest? Well, there are a few things that I, I feel like we can be confident in with this team. One, their ability to overcome adversity. And that's for better and worse, right? You would yeah. hate to or would like to not be in those early adversity situations in games at Arkansas and Kansas, but to BYU's credit, they just, they just kind of battle. And they've won ugly outside of the Kansas game, the first loss of the season, but they, this team can overcome adversity. Uh, bad things can happen early in the game, and they just they'll battle back. Uh, you can only handle so many like shots and blows before you are, are eventually succumb. Are you saying you succumb. can't give up 14 points directly to the <sighs> other team's defense and then have a third one that results in a touchdown and win on the road? Yeah, Blaine, those are those devastating turnovers we talk about, <laughs> yeah, right? Turnovers right. stink regardless, but the it, devastating turnovers. Who was it? Was it, was it Dave Rose? Or I can't, or it might even be. I can't remember. If it was Mark Pope? Dave Rose? Maybe it's Steve Fisher in basketball that calls the turnover where you turn it over out in your backcourt. And the other team just runs down and dunks it. It's like that's a terminal turnover. Like it yes. just it ends badly, right? They didn't have to work right. to get yeah, points. Yeah, it's like it's just too easy. It's there's a difference between that and in, like, we'll just liken it to basketball, where you come down and you throw the ball out on your baseline, and they have to take the ball out, and and you have to defend the full length of the court. Like it's a full defensive set again for you, not nearly as devastating. Likewise in football, a terminal turnover is. A scoop and score. Yes. Or a pick six. Yep. BYU had both and, of those. And, and I would submit that that's way more devastating than a terminal turnover in basketball. It doesn't hurt you as much to be driving down and to turn the ball over on their 30. No. 
you, you, not all turnovers are created equally. To recover and it's like it's just not the same. Two what I would call terminal turnovers in football in one game, and then a third that results in points. I I, I don't know the numbers because we haven't been able to Blake. I would bet that 99% of the time you lose a game like that, no matter who you're playing. And blame BYU's still in the game. That's what's crazy to me. They're still in the game. So, And I said this earlier this week on BYU Sports Nation, and the coaches have confirmed. I hosted Coordinator's Corner, right. had Aaron Roderick and Jay Hill with me. They both were very, very outspoken about how difficult it is to overcome a loss like this emotionally because – they they admitted, look, Kansas is a good team, made some good plays, even on those turnovers. They still made good plays. But they feel, and by they, I mean the BYU coaching staff and players, they feel like BYU beat BYU. Mm-hmm. Those are, that's tough to overcome. Yeah. Like, you feel every loss stinks, but that is, there's an extra sting to that. And so that's the challenge for them this week is to bounce back after one of the more frustrating losses in, in recent memory – the fortunate part is they get to do it under the lights of Lavelle Edwards Stadium and under the lights since 2019 in games to kick off after 6 p.m. For whatever reason, this isn't just home either. This is home and road. BYU is almost unbeatable. 15-1, and one, by the way, in their last 16 night games, mm. meaning kickoff after 6 p.m., 25-3 and three since 2019 when the game kicks off there's after 6 p.m. About, and there's something about a late night especially a Friday night yeah, in that stadium with The Rock. The Rock just goes extra special nuts on a night game. Yeah, that's going to be something else. I I go back to that Arizona State game, um, the one where Tyler punched the ball out. Oh, 2021, yeah. Where at the end of the game, it was so loud that (laughs) Arizona State got, was it three straight false starts? Yes. They couldn't hear themselves think. They were trying to go silent count, and it didn't work because in their heads it wasn't silent. The Rock was that devastating. I was standing next to Nixon down on the sideline, and he said something to me. He put his face this close to me and yelled at me, and I went, I can't, I, I can't hear you. <laughs> can't hear you. And, and that's what the atmosphere can be like on a Friday night in, in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That's what Cincinnati's going to come up against on Friday night. And against a team that knows that they blew it on the road, that's going to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to prove that that was an aberration. Yeah. We, we were talking um, earlier, and, and you were with us earlier today too, but um, they win this game Friday night, and they come, they come out of this, this first five, four, and one. We all said... There were some people that thought BYU would only win four games total. Also. Right, like but we, Vegas. We, we were all saying, yeah. hey, four and one's not out of the question, but didn't we all think, yeah... They probably lose at Arkansas on the road, but they, they, maybe they get that one at Kansas. But we still thought 4 and one was a legitimate possibility and that we'd all be really happy yes. with 4-1. and one. Yeah, but the realistic take was eh, probably 3-2. and two. Probably 3-2 and two after 5. We were all hoping for 4-1. and 5-0 and oh is like beyond our wildest dreams. But yeah, like people called 4-1 and one blue-goggled. Like, no, 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 no. This is next-level football. you got to go to Arkansas, to Kansas, then come home and host Cincinnati. Like, you should be happy with 3-2. and two. You beat Cincinnati, you're 4-1. and one. Like, you're ahead of plan. You're ahead of schedule. BYU TV, Spencer Linton is on The Wise Guys tonight, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and ysguys.com. And the whole world is on our live stream tonight. We're sure glad to have everybody with us. The Big 12 is a lot more wide open than when we were in Dallas mm. at the Big 12 meetings watching BYU pick to finish 11th. 
uh, once you get past Texas, maybe Oklahoma, and possibly part of Kansas State, everything is wide open. I think BYU's number five in the power ratings okay. this week. How high can BYU go? Yes, it, it's a good point. You bring up spot. It feels like spots four to twelve are kind of just up for grabs. Yeah. Um, you don't want to pin any team specifically this early in the season as the worst, but it kind of feels like Iowa State and Oklahoma State are in those maybe spots. Baylor. Maybe they're Baylor. Struggling. And Baylor's moving that direction in a yeah. hurry, right? So they're kind of at the bottom of the Big Twelve four weeks in. You can always bounce back and figure some things out, but for BYU, opportunity knocks in a major way because some of these other teams look a little more beatable than we thought they were going to be. Texas right. Tech, notably, uh, BYU feels like they can go on the road and beat uh, a West Virginia team in early November. They feel like they can get the home game against Iowa State at Oklahoma State to close the regular season. And then out of the big three, meaning at TCU, at Texas, and then home to Oklahoma, can BYU win at least one of those? And so if BYU takes care of business, at worst they should win seven games in the regular season. Right. Like Texas Tech's out their starting quarterback. Right. Tyler Shuck, good kid. Loved interviewing him at Big 12 Conference Media Days. He's had his third season-ending injury. I hate it. This is like a Taysom Hill scenario for Tyler. It's awful. But if you do the math and you go, it's like election night. Okay, how do they – you do Cincinnati – um, Iowa State and Texas Tech, three home games. That's six. That gets you to six. Now you're playing with house money. You get one of those you mentioned, and then take one of those three in the big three. Yeah. And you're looking at a, you're looking at an eight-win season. Which, and that puts you in the Pop-Tarts Bowl for like $8 million bucks. Okay. Wait, was And the now Pop-Tarts you're finishing bowl? in the top five. Was the Pop-Tarts yes. Bowl yeah. the Cheez-It Bowl before? Yeah. Dang it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So I wanted to go to the Pop Cheese Tarts. Bowl. I mean, you, you ask, like, how high can BYU go here? I mean, if we're being realistically fair here, like, let's say realistic best-case scenario, BYU wins eight regular season games, yeah, they're going to finish top five in the Big 12 in year one, which would be phenomenal. Yeah, unbelievable. And it's not crazy to think that. Now, remember, before they played a game, we, we had talked a lot, and we went out, we put it out there. The Vegas' over-under was, what, four? They said they said it so it opened up, I believe at five. Then it kind of sunk to four and a half, and some people were saying, "Yeah, maybe only BYU only wins four games." I mean, ESPN's Football Power Index. Now this is a computer metric. They have them an underdog. They had them an under, before last week's game. The only game they were favored in the entire season was Iowa State. Other than the two, the two, right? They were favored in three games right. and the underdog in nine games. That's shifted a little bit now, as yeah. it should have. Yeah. Again, that's a computer metric. They're, they're, so you can't fa- really they're, be fav- mad. they're favored in Friday's game now. Yes, Vegas has BYU, I believe, last I saw, as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, man, what an interesting matchup because Cincinnati's offense has been okay against much lesser competition but only scored six against Oklahoma. We're frustrated in a game at home against Miami of Ohio. They've lost two straight. Now they've got to travel to Provo on a short week. But they have an outstanding defensive front led by Dante Corleone. Yes. Who is just a beast. And this is... This is not the week for BYU's run game to get better. Like this, yeah, is, we were I, we talking all, about that. We're all like, yeah. oh, the run, we got the run game. Hey, that's Brink, another Brinks chance to get better. Beast on the D line. The too, bye right? week might be the week the to bye, get the run game. Better. Yes, that's more realistic. <laughs> like this week, do not expect BYU's run game to all of a sudden just show up and the Cougars run for you know 150. This is not the game for that. Uh, I think Aaron Roderick is probably scheming and game planning to throw the ball at least 40 times this week. Yeah, Cincinnati's D coordinator. First of all, he's very good. 
And and that's where we talked about them only having seven returning starters. Five of those are on defense. They're five studs. Yeah. On defense. Ta- Taj Ward, a DB who's who's been, you know, he's a fifth-year senior at Cincinnati. He's played a ton of games. Uh, Brian Threets at safety also his third year there. Uh, Jack Dingle, a linebacker, is a really fine player. He's been there three years. Um, and then we talk about Corleone and Briggs on that defensive line who are both monsters there. They have a really good core defensively, so I expect them to be good on defense all year. But the offense, they've got some talent there, but it's a bunch of transfers. It's a little bit similar to BYU's. Yeah. Um, Emory Jones, this quarterback, is a um, he's a dual-threat guy, but they run more um, like this RPO scheme a high percentage of the time. They're not like Kansas that runs seven different types of schemes that you've got to defend. And it started off tough. Just keep this in mind, folks. So Emory Jones throws five touchdowns in their opener against Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and no interceptions. You're like, whoa. Okay, that's, that's quite a start. Now, Emory, um, he started at Florida and then eventually transferred to Arizona State, and now he's at Cincinnati, right? So this is his third school. <clears throat> a little bit um, like like Keaton, um, but, uh, but dual threat guy. And, and game two, he was also solid um, through two touchdowns. So now he's up to seven touchdowns, right? In the last two games, Miami of Ohio and Oklahoma, zero touchdown throws, four interceptions. And, and honestly, he had one interception in game two. So, so he's got seven touchdowns and five interceptions, but the trend the last two has been rough on, on, on uh, Emory Jones. Now they've run the ball really well in every game, but the throw game has kind of tapered off a little bit. It's interesting to watch a guy who was, to your point, Blaine, he's at Florida. I mean, he's played in big-time environments, big-time games. And Cincinnati has one of Florida's former receivers who caught, I think, around you know, upwards of 30 passes as a member of the Florida Gators. So they, they've got some guys. It's just tough when you have a first-year head coach, new scheme, new ideas, bunch of new players coming together. They're trying to gel. I think Cincinnati's getting better. I think it's fortunate that BYU gets Cincinnati when they get Cincinnati because I feel like the Bearcats are going to be a much better team when they're 10 or 12 games into this season. Um, and so, yeah, for them to have to travel after only putting up six against Oklahoma, coming to Provo on a Friday night, like this is all advantageous for BYU. Mm. And typically, home field will give you a three-point advantage when you look at Vegas, and it's right there. So they feel like if they played this game on a neutral field, like the experts and our friends in the desert think this is like a very, very even match. Yeah, yeah they it, average the same. They're giving up the same. Interestingly, I, in the olden, the way olden days when I played, when we used to wear leather helmets, we fold them up, put them in our pocket. <laughs> with Boney Fuller. After practice with Boney Fuller. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always felt like, hey, if we're going to play a short week, let's play it at home. We have a huge advantage. Let's play a Friday night game at home. Because I think, I think a short week is a huge disadvantage for the team on the road. And so Cincinnati, not only did they have to play Oklahoma, um, now, now they've got to travel out here. You lose a day traveling. And so BYU's home, uh, sleeping in their own beds. And, and, yeah, they've got a short week too. I, I think advantage short week is always to the home team. And then to come play in this environment is a tough, tough ask for Cincinnati. I would evaluate it more than three. I would value it at a full touchdown. Okay, wow. Okay, so you right. put it that high. Yeah. Hey, Forrest Gump, 12 Abel with us from the uh, 
what is it, the East Houston area. And uh, glad to have you with us on The Wise Guys. Spencer Linton is a host of BYU Sports Nation, play-by-play announcer, game day reporter, and he's on the show tonight. Thursday night, speaking of the other, let's turn to the other football. Let's do it. Thursday night, the sixth-ranked BYU women's soccer team hosts Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati week in town. You'll be on the call on ESPN+. Southfield will be sold out and rocking, especially after beating 14th-ranked Texas last night, 3-2. So which team has surprised you the most at this point? Soccer team, women's volleyball team, which is number nine in the country, or the football team, which is sitting three and one? I, I mean, straight up, B, BYU football like, had, a, had a chance to go 4-0 last week. That, that to me, was the biggest surprise. I mean, beating Arkansas on the road uh, and then having that kind of you know, juju, if you will, and, and not being like – it's not like they were great – like, there were flaws, especially on offense, but they just found a way to win. Like, so that was – the win at Arkansas is the punctuation on the most surprising team. But uh, soccer, incredible. We knew they were going to be amazing. Now, you've been calling games at we, Southfield for like a we, decade We now. knew they were going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Volleyball probably takes the cake. I, I thought volleyball would be pretty good. Really? Uh, they're now the highest-ranked team in the Big 12. They're ranked one spot higher than yeah, Texas. Today, we talked about today's coaches poll comes out. They're number six, right? Okay. Uh, nine. They're nine. nine. Oh, Soccer's nine. up so six. Soccer, soccer. Yeah. sorry about so that. So volleyball's number nine. Texas nine. is number right. ten. And where are they going this week? They're going to Austin <laughs> for mm-hmm. two games. This is a new dynamic to the women's volleyball schedule is in some of these road trips, they'll play two matches but on back-to-back nights. We see this with the men's volleyball team. Right. Yeah. Never seen this happen with BYU women's volleyball. This is a new thing. And wouldn't you know that both of these matches are in Austin with BYU as the highest-ranked Big 12 team. That, to me, is surprising. They beat Pittsburgh, who was a top-five team, to open up the season. Uh, their only setback it was at Washington State, who was a top-10 team yeah. in and of their own and right. On the road. On right? the road. And now they got to go to Texas. I think they're, they're game for a split. You split yeah, that, If they get a good. split, their Amazing. RPI is going to be yeah, super be high all year. Yeah, they got a we, chance to win the Big 12, we that, went, and that's a surprise yeah. for me. We went okay. and watched them against Houston the other night. Brendan and I went and watched. So good. Oh, my goodness. This is a really athletic team. Their their ability to block, like Houston couldn't get it over the block. It was it was roof city. Yeah. It was the red roof in. It was the blue roof in. <laughs> it was the blue roof in. And, and then um, their hitting percentage was just, it was phenomenal. I'm, I'm watching it going, whoa. I mean, this is a yes. top 10 team. It, re- really, really good. Am I crazy? Like, I'm watching this BYU soccer team, and I know they had that little laps right they're, they're special but but the way they share the ball and the way they play so connected with their passing game seems unique to me in college soccer and we've watched them pretty closely my daughter-in-law and 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 gavin and abby live with us right now in our basement apartment and we we've watched a couple of games abby was a first team all state soccer player and the player of the year in the conference her freshman year at westminster and she watches it and just says no these guys are so connected and they're so their passing game is remarkable in college yeah. soccer am i crazy to think this is a final four team no in fact uh the goal now for byu after the setback you brought up their one and only loss for whatever reason utah state has had byu's number a few times in the past few years it just it, i don't know what it is weird deal they go up to logan they lose that game, but you bounce back by obliterating Baylor. Yeah. It's not great, but still, you show you dominate them, and then you win at number fourteen Texas last night. 
Okay, so the wake-up call, sometimes it hurts when you receive it. Mm-hmm. If you remember, BYU lost a bad game to Utah Valley a couple years ago. Have you ever been in a hotel and enjoyed a wake-up call? Oh, no, we don't no. like them at all, but you got to get up. You, yes. like, to you, gotta you go. like to sleep until you just naturally wake up. <laughs> but there was this awakening. Like They lost that game yeah. to Utah Valley 4-2 to two on their home field. <clears throat> they went to the national championship that year, and they pointed to that little juncture as, man, that Turned was like around. the... That was the rallying point. That was as low as it got, and we were like, okay, no, this is not going to happen. That team rallied, went to the national championship. This BYU team drops to number six, I, I think because they beat Texas on the road. I think they're going to handle their business against Cincinnati tomorrow night. I believe that they'll jump back up into the top five. The goal is to finish as one of the top four teams, according to the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. Right. It doesn't matter about the rankings. The United Soccer Coaches Poll, it's great, and it's fun and all. If the selection committee will look at their resume, and BYU's resume is very strong right now, very strong. You beat UCLA already. You beat Texas. You beat St. Louis. Like They have some quality on there. If you can be a one seed, now all you have to do is win on your home field, and you're in the college in cup. In the college you, cup. You yep. can play that's, your way on your home field into the final four. And Southfield is, is, is oh. a remarkable home field advantage. Yes. This team is absolutely capable of getting to their second ever college cup. In fact, oh, I think so with how good they've been, for being frank, it would be disappointing, Blaine, that they didn't at least get to the Elite Eight. And it would be disappointing they didn't get to the College Cup. We've seen how good they can be. The, the, yeah. the thing that told me that their, their expectations are high for themselves was the body language of Jen Rockwood and her team when they had the draw yes. with TCU. It was like, it was like a loss. It, it was out. Like they were devastated and disappointed. That they had a draw with TCU. Yeah, right? Nine, and, and nine like, wins, one I, loss, one draw, and the one draw, you're right. It felt like a loss to them. I, yeah. I love that mentality, right? Love that mentality, that they're not satisfied with that. They hold themselves to a much higher standard. Yeah, they should They should dominate Cincinnati tomorrow night uh, under the Thursday tomorrow night. Tomorrow night Thursday night? Sorry, Thursday, Thursday night. Right I'm getting ahead of myself. We can't keep track of what day it is. It's true. We just know it's Tuesday. Thursday, <laughs> Thursday night at Southfield. Uh, had a great conversation with Cincinnati's coach. Uh, they're a program that's that's still young. She took she came over from UAB, did a great job rebuilding that program, but now she's trying to rebuild Cincinnati, who is pretty young for the most part. Um, if BYU doesn't win this game by at least three goals, I'll I'll be shocked. Now, the one thing that Cincinnati does have going for them is their head coach is friends with Utah State's head coach. Uh oh. Okay, so should, they're going to exchange some her? some ideas. I think there's I think there's. It's not even about scheme. It's some voodoo magic for Utah State. <laughs> and her former assistants are both at Texas. So she's got friends that are assistants at Texas right now that just saw BYU. Hey, there so are any secrets anymore. She's going to be doing a lot of conversing yeah. with uh, some, some yeah. teams that beat and just played against BYU. And players, and sh- players win. It's right? true. Players, players play win. and players win and lose. A couple more questions with Spencer Linton tonight on the Wise Guys. The Big 12 Conference basketball schedule was released today. You had it on BYU Sports Nation. Fun begins January 6th at the Mary Center against Cincinnati. Well, it's a Cincinnati, Cincinnati thing. Cincinnati week. And then we wrap up March 9th at home against Oklahoma State. A date with Kansas on the road <clears throat> February 27th. There's like 13 ESPN Plus games on the schedule, which means... The three of us will be working hey, right. 13 games we, together. I like that. We, we would love to do as many as possible, as many as they'll I, let we're, us do. We're a little selfish because I think yeah. fans would rather have him be on the mothership, but we'll take it. We'll take it. What game are you looking forward to the most? Well, I tell you what, I, I, we don't typically travel to road games. I will be at Fog Allen Fieldhouse on February go. 27th. There you like, go. That's, 
I'll pay my own way. I'll get <laughs> Listen, my credential. You can find a way to yes. have the company pay for I'll that. I'll get my credential. But if I got to pay for my own flight and hotel and rental, I will be there on February 27th. <laughs> I don't care what happens in the game. I just want to experience That's that so with BYU basketball. No one's more disappointed than Sherry Dew that Kansas is not coming to yes. the Marriott Center. Yeah, Sherry she Dew grew up, grew up in, Kansas. in Kansas. She was an all-state basketball player there. She loves Kansas basketball, and she was... And she loves BYU. She, she loves she BYU, wanted to see so them together. she just wanted to see that. But Well, it's going to be exciting. We're going to have a fun season together. And, hey, don't and we've do had five questions. a lot of years before. This stupid tickle in my throat is driving me nuts, and we're live, and I've got to go cough hard. All okay. right. We'll go okay. cough hard, but this is, keep blame, your lungs. Blame me that he's got... It's a live stream. <laughs> this, 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 this kind of stuff happens. <laughs> we got to act like this is real life. Yeah. Because it is real life. Well, thankfully, he's not doing it in front of the microphone, but Blaine will be back with us shortly. <laughs> you grew up a BYU fan. Your, your family are BYU fans. Your dad, when he was alive, was a BYU fan. Um, how much does this job mean, not to you, but to your family? Because, uh, and I'll say from a personal thing, I, I, I have a cool job, but it's cool because my family celebrates yeah. it and they think it's cool. What, what does it mean to your group? Very similar circumstances for me. Um, the rarer day that goes by that somebody from my family isn't texting me or calling me and telling me how much they enjoyed the episode of BYU Sports Nation or a certain interview right. we did on the show or, oh my gosh, I can't believe... You know, that win against Arkansas, I watched the whole post game. I loved your interviews with Chase Roberts. I thought that was so fun. Like, they're always there conversing with me about the things that I do. And so, yeah, there is that, that special connection with family because I know that they're my biggest fans and somebody. It's just the power of coming from, you know, a family that has seven children. I've got yeah. a lot of siblings, and one of them, if not multiple of them, are always watching whatever show I'm on. Right. Um, and that, it's just great to have that support for it, sure. Because uh, you got to be away from them a lot, especially Brittany and the kids. Oh, yeah. And because then, it requires us to be somewhere else. So to have that support of just their general interest in they won, we're in, it's a fun thing. Uh, I, I think is so um, it, 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 it helps fill the void of, of being gone. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was sitting in my hotel room after the loss at Kansas. I was watching that Ohio state Notre Dame game, that wild finish. And I got a text message from my wife and she's like, are you watching this Ohio state Notre Dame game? And I was like, <laughs> that's true love. I've never loved you more. <laughs> I, I, I told these guys, I, I think I told our group, the, the day I fell in love with Brenda, like I liked her a lot, but back in the day before cell phones, I just stopped at her dorm room at BYU and her roommate was down in the lobby and I go, where's Brenda? She goes, I, I don't know if you check downstairs, she might be doing laundry. So I went downstairs, she was doing laundry. She was sitting all by herself in, in the lounge down this downstairs watching Monday Night Football. I walked down and I was like, you watching this by yourself? She goes, yeah. I'm like, oh, I am so, <laughs> I am so in love right now. I'm ready to commit. Listen, I'm so in love. <laughs> the other night, the other night we're watching the USC game, and Diane goes, so what's the difference between a tailback and a fullback? <laughs> and I'm just like, I never thought I'd get this question my entire life from you. This is fantastic. Yes, this so is I awesome. tried to explain it, and then it was like, let's just watch the game. Uh, but but yes, USC has tailbacks. Some other schools don't have tailbacks. Um, but anyway, just <laughs> I said just the fact that you asked that question 
is a win. We've connected on a new it's, level yeah, in our relationship. And then, of course, it was, are we watching the whole game? There was yeah. always a follow-up, but let's get five questions. Charlie Peterson's going to join us here in a couple minutes. We'll get his take on Keaton Slovis from way, one quarterback to another. I did not another. want to miss five questions, so I just coughed it out. We're just glad yes, you thank survived. You, I just coughed it out. I appreciate that sacrifice. And, I, and I'm so much better now because this, I was, I have to be here for five questions. These five questions are going to be the revealer of all things. Okay. Yes. No pressure. No. Yeah. And, and you're not allowed to really think about it. You just like, if it Let's pops go. in your head, you just say go. it. Rapid fire. So here we go. Okay. Your favorite sports movie. Hoosiers. Wise choice. Ooh. Wise choice. 100%. Wait, you, me, and Marie. Marie Osmond. Osmond. Man, Hoosiers for the win. Jimmy Chitwood was an icon for me in my childhood. I yeah. wanted to be Jimmy Chitwood. Yeah. What, was, what was Devin Durant? Probably Hoosiers. I think he was Hoosiers too. Yeah. I but, used but, to for, shoot folded pairs of socks into the laundry basket with Jimmy Chitwood as <laughs> I watched that movie. You have to. As like have a six-year-old kid. My like, uncles played Indiana basketball in high when, school, when, when so he we just brought him, us what, in. What does Jimmy, like, he's dropped a play for Jimmy to be the decoy, right? Yeah. Then he looks at Jimmy, and what does Jimmy say? I'll make it. I'll make it. And then, right, and then. then Gene Hackman right, got then. wise, and he's like, Okay, never mind all yeah, that. Yeah. Yep. We're not running the picket fence. Get it to Jimmy. Clear it out, spread the floor, and give the, it to Jimmy. And that's I'll one of the it. movies that when it comes on, no matter where it is in the movie, and it's on BYU TV a I'll lot, always watch. you just stop and yes. go, I'm in. And yeah. the, the story of redemption with Dennis Hopper's character, yeah, are you kidding no. me? When the, the son hugs his dad and tells him he does a good job, and like, or he's, and then he's celebrating on his bed in rehab. And like, oh, yeah. What a, what no, a, a it's story. A great, it's a Hoosiers. Movie. I hosted a dinner, the 20th anniversary of Hoosiers, with Dennis Hopper in Vegas and the producer of the film. And then we did a Q&A with the audience. And they were so proud of that movie. And they did it on the cheap. Yes. So cheap that they went to Poland and had the Polish symphony do the music because they came in the least expensive. Wow. Can I and I listen you? to that music all the time. It's epic. Yeah. Like, it gives me goosebumps. When BYU played at Butler Fieldhouse in the mm -hmm. COVID NCAA tournament, right. I, we didn't go because it was like there were all these parameters. I found a way to get a credential. I flew myself out there, and the last 30 minutes driving up to Hinkle Fieldhouse where the, they play the state championship game in the movie – I, list, I was just blasting the Hoosiers soundtrack. Awesome. It was epic. That's great. Uh, are you All talking right. about the year that Dave and I broadcast games and we had a seat 20 feet apart? <laughs> and, and we had a, a glass thing. Because I didn't thing. want you to give me COVID. We had a glass thing glass in between partition. us. And this was after they took blood tests of us entering the arena <laughs> to determine that we didn't have COVID. We still sat 20 feet apart with a piece of glass. And then we were nervous that we might be talking too loud with no fans in the arena because the coach might hear. Like, I'd make a comment, and a coach would turn around and look at me and be like, oh, this is so bad. I'm sorry, yeah. coach. Yeah. So right. That was the year. That Hoosiers, was the year. number one. Okay. okay. Favorite singer or manned? Oh, man, this is so tough. This is so tough because I come from such a musical family, and we just love, like, talent, talent in general across all genres. My goodness. Um... This wow, like whenever I what hear was the this, first one that popped in your whenever head? I hear the song "Clocks" by Coldplay, I tell my oh. wife it's going to be a great day. Okay, Coldplay. That's old school Coldplay. Like circa that album came out in two thousand two or two thousand three. "Clocks" by Coldplay is like it's going to be a good day today. Okay, if I, if I hear that song. On my way to the studio, I was listening to Nappy Roots. Going to be a good day. Going to have a good day. All my homies going to ride today. All right, we're and writing okay. Coldplay okay. down. Favorite yes. breakfast cereal. I'm going to have to go probably with Lucky Charms. All right. Okay, Nothing that's wrong a good with that. Classic. Wait, Lucky I like, Charms. Somebody last week had Lucky Charms. I like the mix of marshmallows to, uh, you know, just a normal Wait, Cheerio type thing. I'm going to ask you this, sweet because Cheerios. Guess it, was, it was Judge Blood. 
like Lucky Charms. And she did. You interviewed Judge Blood after we interviewed so Judge, Judge Blood. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. She eats all the oats first. And saves for a, like three pure marshmallow bites at the end <laughs> with milk. Seriously, is there a better name than Judge Blood? No, that's fantastic. So, so Secondary would be Waffle Crisp. Yeah, try, try, that, try, try the marshmallow trick because I think it's, I okay. think it's epic. My so. kids do it in reverse. They eat all the marshmallows and then I have to fight for them to eat the rest. You know, save the marshmallows for last three huge bites of nothing but marshmallow soaked in milk. Okay. Okay. okay, favorite ice cream? Cookies and cream. Mm, nice. Right. Yeah, right. pretty classic there. Yeah. Not, not okay. like saying anything crazy. I like Cashew Conquistador. Um, how Yum. about favorite BYU memory? Oh, my gosh. Is this a sports memory? It could be like anything. anything. Some people have been like, when I got my degree. Some people have been like, when I met my wife. I'm not putting any pressure on Some people have been like, when I threw a touchdown pass to Clay Brown. You know? <laughs> Who could that have been? <laughs> um, probably... Standing on the sideline in Rice-Eccles Stadium in 2006 in late November with three seconds on the clock, watching John Beck break the huddle for one final play and thinking, oh my gosh, if BYU doesn't convert from 11 yards away, they're going to lose a fifth straight game to Utah. And John's not going to have his redemption. They're not going to win the Mountain West. Like It's been too great of a season. This can't happen. Watching Johnny Harleen slide in to make that catch literally right in front of me. I just happened to be in the perfect spot where I was standing on the sideline. Was one of the greatest emotions and experiences I've ever had that relates to BYU. You know, my wife would be like, you should have said that it was when you saw me for the first <laughs> time when I was the information desk girl at the Wilkinson Center. All that true. was also All fantastic. True. That was big. Back to Harleen changed my life it changed my life like that that play it just it, it just like we all remember where we were did you have a harleen still open shirt i saw it for the first time at the huntsman center a few months after when byu finally won under dave rose and broke yeah. that long losing streak on the road yes. in basketball someone showed up with the harleen still was the first one i'd ever seen and i was like that's the greatest t-shirt that's ever been created that's a great one yes that that's a that's that's tough to beat that's great stuff spencer letting with us give you uh do you gotta leave are you like i don't wide know open if, I can, I don't know if I can leave because i'm you pretty sure i've got a flat tire out there <laughs> well then so. if you're good just stay right there and let's bring in charlie peterson he played quarterback at BYU in 1999, 2000, 2001, the end of the Lavelle Edwards era, the start of the Gary Croton run, also author of the books How to Play Quarterback Like a Pro and Quarterback Bible, which are available on Amazon in the business of home building tonight, football analyzing. Our pleasure to welcome Charlie Peterson to the Wise Guys. Charlie, you know you just finished your, watching your boys' football game. How did it go tonight? Oh, it's so much fun. They're just little kids. So how, seven and eight-year-olds running around tackling each other with flags. It's great. It's also, it's flags still. Yeah, he's too young for the padded stuff. I probably won't put him in until he's a little bit older anyway. So probably what, a good what, idea. What's, what's, what's your age, Charlie, where you're like, okay, they're okay for contact now. What, what's, what's your thought on that? You know, it's funny. I, my old man was 100% hell-bent on me not playing until I was in ninth grade, which was in high school. So I, d I didn't even start playing regular football with pads until my ninth grade year in high school. So, you know, it, that's a hard one. I mean, he's playing lacrosse, and he gets smacked around there, so I figure I might as well let him play football too. I, I've heard Lavelle on multiple occasions over the years. People ask him, he's like, you know what? Whenever they love it and want to do it. And he goes, but it's not a huge disadvantage if they don't do it till eighth or ninth grade. 
He always used to say that. He's like, yeah. if they're, if they're, he, he says, you want them to have them do it when they're so in love with it that they want to practice every day and they don't tire of it when they're still excited about it. I'm like, okay, that's great advice. That just tells you when they're ready, right? Hey, what would you think of the football game Saturday? Oh, man. Oh, it, it broke my heart. It was really fun to watch. I'll tell you what, Kansas is so dynamic. You watched all of their motions and formation shifts. I mean, you talk about a challenge defensively to prepare for. I mean, I think Kansas is going to give Texas fits this week, and their, their quarterback is so versatile, and they just have a system so unique to him. And th that being said, as complimentary as I, I am toward them, I thought we had them by the, on the ropes a couple times. Those, you know, when anytime you have a turnover, it's a bad situation. But when the turnover leads to a direct score, a yeah. scoop and score, pick six, that's when you're really, really behind the eight ball. And I thought BYU played really well. I just wish we could run the ball. I, I'd never thought, I, you know, I really miss the Tyler Algier days. That guy was a beast. And, you know, when being, BYU has the balance, when they can run effectively, and I think that's where we're lacking. I think Keaton Slovis is playing lights out. He is so talented, and he's light on his feet. He's so he's just very efficient in his throwing motion. Really fun to watch. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about Keaton a little bit. You, you played that position. And really, when you played, this is a very similar offense to what you ran. Um, Aaron's kind of brought back some of the old concepts, right, that, that you ran, that I ran back in the olden days. Um, through four games, what, what's your evaluation of, of Keaton, how he fits in this system? Well, I think he's an NFL-caliber player. I mean, you don't throw for, what's he thrown for, over 10,000 yards or something like that yeah. in his college career. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. It, I, I like watching him. He's so graceful, and his throwing motion is just so fluid, and it's crisp, and you can see the, the wrist snap at the top of his release, and that ball's just spinning, and he's throwing it in tight windows. You know, he, the, the decision at the end of the beginning of the third quarter, that third down interception, that, that was a tough one because, you know, we're up 17-14. Just the momentum shift is so dramatic. Even if we punt there, we're in good shape, and and BYU showed earlier against Arkansas that we can weather those kind of storms. I just feel like we just got some unlucky plays. I mean, poor Kingston got lit up. I don't even know if he saw the corner on that fumble. And But but overall, I'm very pleased. I thought BYU, I, I'm happy with them being 3-1 and one at this point in the season. That's kind of what I predicted them. I thought they would actually lose to Arkansas and beat Kansas. And so it's kind of been a role reversal that way. Charlie, you were a right-handed quarterback, and we talked about this earlier tonight on After Further Review. When you're rolling to your right and you've got your tight end coming back like Rex was, how difficult of a throw is that compared to, let's say, you're rolling to your left as a right-handed quarterback? You know, it's funny. I actually found it more difficult rolling to my right and throwing to my right because when you're rolling left, you're forced to flip your hips. I mean, I don't yeah. know if you guys remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Play with Brett Favre to Shannon Sharp in the playoffs years and years ago. I mean, he's all the way to the left sideline. He flips his hips and just launches it. And I feel like for a quarterback, you know, getting that hip rotation is really important. When you're rolling right, you're, that's your normal body motion, so the ball tends to fade off to the side a little bit. It, it's a very difficult throw. And, of course, when you're rolling one way and you throw back the other, you're just begging for an INT. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we broke that down. To, like these guys, that I keep telling them, Ask any quarterback. So he did. He asked the quarterback, Charlie Peterson. And rolling to your left, you can't even make the throw unless you rotate your torso and get your shoulders square to the target. 
You can throw right across your body, rolling to the right, and sometimes you have to, and there's no way you can be accurate with your shoulders pointed to the sideline and just kind of throw it, and and especially when you're about to get hit, which is what Keaton had, you know. I, we, we looked at that one play, um, Charlie, and we noted if the ball's accurate right in the frame of, of Isaac, it's either going to be pass interference or Isaac catches the ball, but because it's back inside, Isaac you know makes the cardinal sin of reaching back and tipping it up. Um but I think that was a tough throw. He was running full speed to his right, he couldn't about get his to hips get and shoulders around, and got smacked as he let it go. Yeah. And the ball sailed inside on him. So that, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, looking back on it, you, you almost wish we just swallowed it, take the sack and yeah. punt, you know, just because the, the turnover, especially, I mean, especially when they score like that, now you've got the crowd behind you. It's just... And, and it's just too hard to catch up in those situations. I mean, turnovers are tough enough, but like I said, when, you, when you're when you 21 points off of turnovers, that's the difference in the ball game. I, BYU moved the ball effectively through the air. I just, the running game is lacking. What are we averaging, two and a half yards of carry? It's, it's that. It's I mean, that. that's that's a frustrating point. I, I'm tired of being in second and 12 in those type of situations. I'll add this from Aaron Roderick in response to that decision by Keaton. He said, we – we pride ourselves on not making bad decisions on third and long situations. And he said, and to qualify that, we, we pride ourselves on not losing games on making a, a rash decision on third and long. And so it was just uncharacteristic of, of Keaton to do that. Like that's, they've worked a lot with him to kind of hone it in. And, and like you said, Charlie, just, just eat it. Just take the sack. Punt and let your defense come back out on the field. Yeah. If Kansas is good enough to earn a touchdown, they earn it. Yeah. But you've got one of the best punters in the country who has been known to flip the field. If Rico rips off a 58-yard Rico bomb, now they're back on their 20, and you can kind of calm down. What, what do we used to say, Chart? Live, live to play another series, right? And the, the Masters, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, they'll throw a ball away on third down and punt it. Rather than, than, you know, so live, to, live yeah. to play another series and don't don't give the game up on one play. Former Cougar quarterback Charlie Peterson's on the Wise Guys tonight. Charlie threw for 2,262 yards and 11 touchdowns. Ran for a couple scores as well during his time as a Cougar. But for the next 45 seconds, you're the offensive coordinator <laughs> and you've got to get this running game going. So how are you going to do it? Woo! <laughs> That's a great question. What's wrong with lining up in the eye once in a while and just ground and pound on first? I would love to see that, yes. Uh, throw some play action off. I think you just got to do quick hitters, um, quick traps inside, you know, let the guards pull. Some of those slower developing plays, the counters are tough, but, you know, we should be able to run power. I mean, LJ's tough, you guys, and so and I thought Aiden's a good athlete as well. So we just have to figure out a way to get ahead of the sticks earlier and not be chasing so much. We're putting a ton of stress on, on Keaton on those third and long situations. And it really cuts down your playbook when those, when those happen. I don't know. I would guess our third and five ratio versus third and five and shorter was probably three to one third and long. I, I don't know the exact stats. It just felt like we were in long yardage situations a little too often. Hey, the big 12 home opener is Friday night. Um, Spencer's outlined for us BYU success at night, which is just remarkable. Um, first of all, your thoughts on the game tonight. And then, hey, you know, I, I know it's still early, but how do you think BYU is going to do in this new conference? You know, I, a bunch of my friends, Ryan Hancock, Eric Drage, a bunch of BYU buddies, we, we, we always have our preseason predictions about how we're going to do. And, and 
I feel like if we got to seven or eight wins this year, it would be an incredible year. That transition into the Big 12 was big. I mean, Cincinnati's a really good football team, you guys. They they had Oklahoma on the ropes twice. Yeah. In fact, I think they were in the red zone four times and didn't score touchdowns. I mean, they, they had a real chance to beat Oklahoma at home. And I feel like BYU is going to be right in that mix of the Kansas-type football games. You're going to see a lot of one-score football games. And the key is going to be, you know, who's going to make the play at the end of the game. I will say this, though. Watching... Keaton at the end of that Arkansas game, he had a third and nine scramble for a first down. And then we went and scored and tied it up. And it just took the win right out of the Arkansas stadium cells. And I, I feel like those are the kind of plays that, that differentiate winning and losing. And I, I also really like our kicker. I feel like he's pretty consistent. I, I wouldn't be afraid of putting a game winning kick in his hands at any time. Friday night, BYU and Cincinnati. A few more questions with Charlie Peterson. It was a Friday night 23 years ago when you made your first start at BYU. You threw for 324 yards and a touchdown against Utah State. Do you still remember what it felt like to run onto the field? Oh, you feel it. Yeah, you'll never forget that. I mean, just running out with your teammates, that's what it's all about. I, I remember the huddles, the jokes, and... <laughs> I mean, it's funny when I talk to old teammates, they don't remember any of that stuff. They remember all the pranks that happened in the locker room, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, great memories. And I, I had a great, I really thoroughly enjoyed my career. I mean, obviously, looking back, you always wish, you know, you could have made this play and done a little bit better here yeah. and all those type of things. But I was surrounded by really good athletes. And, and Brandon Doman himself was a really good athlete. So we had a great football team, great experience. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was just fantastic. You know, Kalani was one of those teammates. You, you were a teammate with Kalani during Lavelle's final season. What, yeah. what was Kalani like as a teammate? Well, <laughs> let, let, let's put it this way. Kalani is a lot more mellow on the outside than he is on the inside. Because <laughs> that man is a fireball. And he was like that in the puddle. And, and he was always just salivating to get that lead block or to catch the ball in the flat he was ready and he was amped and and you can see it and he's still the same and justin emma the whole the whole group's still the same a rod's still the same i mean aaron was a very cerebral intelligent football player and that's carried into his coaching and i love our coaching staff i love what they do with those boys i'll tell you what you guys <laughs> that transfer portal is a, a nightmare yeah. it, it is so difficult for college football now you're going to see such big turnover like we've seen in the past. And the teams that are going to profit from it are teams like BYU. The teams that are going to suffer from it are, unfortunately, teams like my little brother's team, Utah Tech. I mean, they've lost they lost their starting quarterback, their starting running back, and their starting wide receiver. And all of them are starting for D1 schools now. And Utah Tech's really struggling. So, you know, the smaller tier schools are, are going to suffer when those when they lose their athletes and, and the bigger tiers are going to gain. We had a great visit with your brother, Paul, when Utah Tech came up last year and played on BYU yeah. TV. How often does he hit you up for quarterback advice? Oh, not often. He, he's living his own. He's living his own world. But I keep in touch with him. We, we touch base. He, yeah. He's frustrated right now. Utah Tech is, you know, they've lost a couple to really, really good football teams. But like I said, that transfer portal – it's just hard. I mean, it, what kind of continuity can you generate? You know, had he had those three starters back, they might be 4-0 and right now instead of 1-3. and three. You just you just don't know. And I, 
it's kind of fun to see and it's it's entertaining i mean we saw what Deion sanders did at colorado yeah but it's definitely a double-edged sword i mean the grass is absolutely not greener on the other side and i think the statistics for the transfer portal it's what seven out of ten don't even go on to play anymore i can't remember the number but it's crazy yeah i, I heard Dion saying the other day yeah transfer portal like we're not even going to recruit high school kids anymore why would we do that we'll just go get a proven guy and i'm thinking man i that doesn't sound like it's good for college football to me or for high school football. What, what's your thought on that? Well, that, that's what I'm saying. The, there's too much pressure. College football is becoming much more transactional rather than transformational. College football coaches don't have time for players that aren't going to play. I mean, how many guys did we bring in on the transfer portal that are starting right now? I, I, what, six, five or six are mm -hmm. starters right now, including Keaton. So I think you're going to see that more and more. And the teams that are going to be successful over the long period of time are ones that can recruit really well and then keep the players within their program because that's how you're going to build that continuity. Charlie Peterson, the chief marketing officer of at ImpressHomesUtah.com. Are you ready for five questions? Sure. Fire away. And you can't, like, we gave Don't him to, copy we Spencer's gave, we gave him if you heard Spencer those. We gave Spencer and he just... He hesitated. You can't hesitate. You just the first thing that comes to your mind. You went into the deep he, end of the pool, he, like, like he, just three like yeah. When we gave him the like, anyhow, you just, just I got sacked a few times, Charlie. <laughs> Held onto the ball yeah. too long. Whatever comes to your mind, just throw it out there. Okay. So here we go. Okay. Your favorite sports movie. Favorite sports movie. Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I'll go with uh, <laughs> the program. Oh yes, James oh, the Con. Program. Let's go. I don't know that anybody said the program. That's a new one. Uh, that, that's that's early nineties. Yes. Right oh yeah, I remember James it. James well. Con. Okay, your favorite singer or band? Uh, I'm gonna have to roll with with uh, Garth or excuse me, George Strait. Just George because Strait. He's classic country. Pure yeah. country for yeah, the win. That's yeah. He's that's a, a good one. He's playing uh, Rice Eccles in the spring. Yeah, he's still playing stadiums. That George yeah. Strait's big. You need time. to get to that one. Your favorite breakfast cereal? Oh God, my favorite breakfast cereal. I'll go with Reese's Pieces Puffs. Love those. Oh, There's wow. no shame in that. Reese's Pieces about those. Puffs wow. are delicious. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The other night, I, got, I went and got some peanut butter Captain Crunch. Just the peanut delicious. butter. Delicious, delicious. Okay. And ate it at like 11 o'clock at night. What's wrong with me? Nothing. Okay, your favorite ice cream. Favorite ice cream. Mm. That's a good one, too. What's that? Ben and, or, oh, no. They used to make it. They don't even have it anymore. It's the Haagen-Dazs Caramelized Pecan. Mm. It was caramelized pear and pecan. It was fantastic. Caramelized pear and pecan? I didn't go even know look that was it up. Thing. I'm See, telling I, you. Go, I said, go I said cashew conquistador, which is like it feels like you just made up a flavor. With caramel and cashews in it. This sounds similar to that. I could go for this one. I'm telling you, it's amazing. You lost me at pear and pecan. But I was with you for caramel. Caramelized pear, you have to look it up. It's been off the market okay, for I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm looking for this. Okay, and, and the last of your five questions is, what's the favorite advice you've ever gotten from your wife? Ooh. From, my, from, from my your wife? wife. Yep. Uh, favorite advice I've ever gotten from my wife. You know, my wife has been through breast cancer. She's yeah. actually the... the chief executive officer of empress homes i'm actually an assistant principal at taylorsville high school so she's she's the one who's building the houses i just try to market for her. but i think my best advice for her is is that she says to me is you can do hard things and i i just like that 
those four words, you can do hard things. That, that's a real mind shift and change for you. So I'll go with that one. I love it. You can do hard things. What's your score for Friday night? Boy, I, I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm a little bit nervous about this one. I feel like Cincinnati's really underrated, but we do have them at home. So I'm going to I'm going to roll with BYU by a touchdown. We'll go 31-24 Cougs. 31-24. Okay. okay. We've got it written down. I like down. it. So uh, now that it's been written, so let it be done. Yes. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. We'll, we'll take a, any win that, that BYU can get. We'll take it. Charlie Pearson. Hey, Blaine, yeah. Blaine, one thing real quick. I just wanted to tell you, I, as a father now, looking back and seeing your two boys go through BYU, I just have to give a, a tip of the cap to them because it's really fun to watch old BYU players come back with and their sons are playing. It's, it's happening all, all the time now. And it's just really fun to see. I can't believe I'm as old as I am. I've been interviewed <laughs> with you guys. I feel like I'm in my mid-20s again. But you, time yeah, goes so you'll, fast, you guys. You'll, you'll be it's there someday. Fun. And I'll tell you, it's when they run out of the tunnel for the first time, it feels the same as when you ran out of the tunnel for the first time, only you're a little bit more nervous. Because you can control what you do on the field, but you can't control what they do. Yeah. So, and I, I did a bunch, I did about 10 BYU-Utah games in a row there for a period of time, and I actually did a couple when Kellen was playing, starting at free safety. So I'm interviewing Kyle Whittingham the day before the game, and Kyle's my old roommate from, from college, so he and I can be honest with each other, and Kyle says to me, uh, you know, be honest with me, you're rooting for BYU tomorrow. I'm like, no, I, Kyle. Like, I'm not rooting for BYU. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not rooting for BYU. I don't root when I'm calling a game. Like, I'm going to call the game. He goes, no, I'm not saying you're not going to call the game fair. I'm saying you're rooting for BYU. And I go, no. He goes, you're telling me that Kellen's starting at free safety. Like, he's grilling me. Yeah. And you're not rooting for BYU. I go, Kyle, I'm calling the game down the line. I'm not rooting for anybody. But I am rooting for Kellen to go to play great. And Kyle stops for a minute and he goes, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm rooting for us, but I will root for Kellen to play great. That's what <laughs> Kyle said. And that's, that's the agreement that Kyle and I came up with. And, and, and so that was a really surreal thing for me to actually call games. I call games that Kellen played in. I call games that, that Gavin played in. And it's weird because I just didn't focus on them in those games. But, but it's a, my favorite thing is when I'm not having to call the game to watch them run out of that tunnel because you know the goosebumps you get when you run out yourself, right? Charlie, you've oh, yeah. done it. Oh, yeah. It's just every time it does, it never gets old. And so, then to watch your boys run out is something really, really special. Yeah. Well, it's irreplaceable. I mean, even in that stupid alumni flag football game, it's just, it's just fun. And guys yes. hold on to that because it was, you know, it was five years of grind. It's five years of hard work where you're putting your, tears heart and soul into something and it's character building and i'm just like i said i'm so grateful for my experience at byu i love playing for lavelle i love playing for gary crow and what it just just fantastic hey we're proud of you and, and you showed in that alumni game you still have your arms oh, yeah, so you, nice still job. Got it. you can still spin it we saw that for sure oh thank you i appreciate that great charlie peterson on the wise guys thanks charlie thanks charlie See you, charlie all right you guys enjoy go cougs Charlie Peterson with us on Wise Guys. Next week, Chase Roberts going to join us during the bye week. And in October, Riley Nelson, Brian McKenzie, Brandon Doman, Wally Joyner, part of the lineup for the Wise Guys. Cincinnati BYU Friday night. Our pleasure to welcome Cincinnati's radio analyst, Jim Kelly, to the Wise Guys. Hall of Famer, outstanding receiver back in the day, guitarist, singer. Maybe, maybe he'll sing a song for us. I don't know. Do you, does he have the guitar with him? That's but the question. But he's staying up late for us in Cincinnati. And uh, Jim, welcome to the Wise Guys. 
Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Do you have the guitar with you, Jim? Do you like we heard? Um, Actually, I, I don't want to turn the computer around here, but I've got about eight of them on the wall. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what I'm talking about right there. So this is my football that. side of things. Down there is the music. The music side. side. I respect that let's so much stay, I can't even tell you. We'll stay, stay on the music tonight. side. We'll stay on oh, the music okay. side for a second. What's the best? Uh, what's your favorite song to play? You know, I do mostly classic rock, and um, it's um, interesting. I, I you know try to learn new stuff all the time, and I added a couple of Tom Petty songs that I've known for a long time, but I've never really tried to play or sing and uh, really enjoy uh, running down a dream yeah. and uh, American, uh, American girl. So nice running down a dream is like one of the ultimate sports songs. Yes, it is. It is. I do. Um, they have a marathon here. They, uh, it's called the flying pig marathon. And I play from like eight thirty in the morning till noon at a, a spot out at mile marker 20. And I always try to do when the when the leaders come by, I'll try to do either. And I I don't necessarily do a whole lot of Bruce Springsteen, but um, I'll, I'll try to do Born to Run, which I do a pretty bad job of. <laughs> or I'll do better with Running Down a Dream. Nice, that's great stuff. I love it. So hey hey, your uh, Bearcats had a a tremendous battle against Oklahoma last week. The defense held the Sooners to a season-low 20 points. I mean, I was I was starting to say, hey, Oklahoma's looking like the old Oklahoma offensively. Right. Uh, but the Bearcats kind of held them in check. What's your take from that game last week? Yeah, you guys hit it right on the head. The defense played very, very well. Um, and they did, did a nice job of, uh, you know, keeping a very – what were they averaging? 55 and a half points, I think, coming into that game. Yeah. And they held them in check. And, um, you know – Put a little bit of pressure, uh, you know, on Dylan Gabriel, really kind of stopped the run game. Um, did, did a nice job for the most part. Did everything they needed to do to win the game. The only downside of it, and I do believe Oklahoma has an underrated defense, but the downside was the offense wasn't able to, uh, wasn't able to match them. And quite honestly, you know, red zone failures for two weeks in a row now, both the Miami game, which was two weeks ago or two games ago, and then this week with the Oklahoma game, um, even, you know, even another touchdown would have made that come down to the wire could have been anybody's game at the end of the game. If had the Bearcats been able to score one, maybe two, or they missed a, a very, very short field goal as well. So really didn't do, do the things offensively they needed to do, but defensively they played a very, very good game. What do you make of the quarterback matchup for Friday night? You've got Emory Jones, Florida, Arizona State, now Cincinnati, and you have Keaton Slovis, USC, Pittsburgh, now BYU. Yeah, I mean, it seems like every game you go into and your opponent, they've transferred from somewhere. I think last year I can remember um, one of the stats that was out there was 46 of the starting quarterbacks in the FBS uh, schools were transfers. Um, I haven't seen a number this year, but my guess is it's around there, maybe even higher. Um, you know, it's one of those things. But, I, you know, you've got two good quarterbacks. And, you know, Emory's had a, an up-and-down career. He had a couple of good years at Florida. Uh, was going to be the third-year start, you know, have his third-year starting. Coaching change came in. They wanted to go in a different direction. He goes to Arizona State. Um, Herm Edwards gets fired after one game. And um, he kind of has a, a they, they, not just he, they had a, a pretty rough year last year. And he's done a nice job. He has. He, um, he you know, he's, he's still learning the offense, Coach Satterfield's offense. 
Um, and, he, and he makes some decisions that I know he'd like to have back. But all in all, he's done a pretty good job. And then Keaton Slovis, of course, Coach Satterfield and the staff that came from Louisville, they knew him last year, or they knew him from last year at Pittsburgh. But right. I watched him, at, you know, when he was out west and didn't see him play last year at Pittsburgh. But, you know, they're both good-sized guys, um, you know, 6'3", 210, somewhere in that range. And should be a good matchup. It really should be. Hey, talk to us a little bit about Dante Corleone, the godfather, as he, as he's nicknamed. We, we've been telling folks around here that he's the real deal, that he's big, big-time uh, defensive lineman, um, college football news freshman All-American. He's got two sacks this season. Uh, what, what should people watch for in Dante Corleone? Yeah, he, 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 he's definitely you know, a great kid, great guy, doing a great job. Now he's getting double-teamed a lot, as you can imagine. Um, however, they've got some other guys there at the D-line. Juwan Briggs is another very, very good defensive lineman. Eric Phillips is the third guy that they generally play in, you know, when they've got their number ones in there. But in Dante Corleone's case, you know, he's not an overly tall guy, probably around 6'2". Um, he's lost some weight from last year. He had an outstanding year last year as a freshman, so he's lost some weight. He's a little quicker. Um, you know, he again, the issue is he's getting double-teamed or – running back hitting him or a tight end coming in and chip him if he's if he's maybe out playing in the b gap um but at the same time he's a guy to watch he's very quick uh for his size he can get into the backfield he can certainly cause havoc and where where he really you know has done a great job this year you mentioned his stats with the sacks he's got a couple of tackles for losses as well but when he takes up two offensive linemen that means somebody else is one-on-one or maybe running free so he's allowed the defense to play a little bit faster. The linebacking crew is a good linebacking crew. Um, they've been able to, um, you know, to take advantage of the fact that Dante's being double teamed and really create some havoc in there. Jim Kelly is a radio analyst for the Cincinnati Bearcats, inducted into the Cincinnati Hall of Fame in 2017. A couple more questions for you, but before we get to that, you got a lot of Cincinnati helmets on your wall behind you. What was the model when you were playing? Um, yeah, I have that here somewhere. We used a, a McGregor or a Rydell. Those were the two. You know, mm-hmm. I go back a long time. Um, it was a little bit more padded than some of the older Rydells, which uh, would, would be to my left. It probably might be your right, the way yeah. that uh, the screen's looking. But um, uh, I've got everything. It's amazing to go back and look at one of them from 1968. And then the red one that you see up there, I think it's the red one. Yeah, the red one's a current one. Yeah. And to look at the way that the helmet has changed uh, through the years in protecting the athlete and in a good way um and there's a little bit of a weight difference but not as much as you'd think considering all the padding so um the you know they haven't they've changed a little bit the you know the what they call the c paw here which is the c with the claw coming out the top now that logo has been around for quite a while now but the interlocking you see which you can see again uh there just over my just below my shoulder um was around for a long time as well that's what we used that's a cool man cave right yeah, there. Yeah, I love that. I like, you, that. like I like music on one side and, and football on the other. <laughs> Can't get better than that. So, hey, what what's uh, what will be the difference on Friday night? Um, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, I Cincinnati wins one, if, if what? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, in, in, in your favor, it's a tough place to play. <laughs> I've been there before. Yeah. You know, and I don't just mean the altitude. That That's certainly something that, you know, we'll see how they deal with that. But just the atmosphere, the size of the stadium, the, the magnificent view of the 
you know, of the surroundings, the mountains and so on and so forth. But all things being equal, um, I think if, um, you know, if this game was played somewhere in the middle of the United States at two o'clock in the afternoon um, in a neutral field, I think it's a pretty even battle. You know, the Bearcats maybe have a slight edge as far as what they've been able to do moving the football, but it isn't showing on the scoreboard. If you look at the, the points that uh, both BYU and Cincinnati are scoring, they're almost identical. If you look at the points they're giving up, they're almost identical. Um, at, at the same time, um, you know, being at home in the first Big 12 game for the Cougars, uh, I can tell you only because I just went through the first home Big 12 game for the Bearcats, it is a big deal. Um, it's great to be in this conference when, you know, uh, you go, when I'm at the media days down in Dallas and I'm looking around and I'm seeing Texas and Oklahoma and I realize those guys are leaving, but, but even Texas Tech and Baylor and Oklahoma State and Kansas and Kansas State, you know, it's, it's, it's big time and your fans are going to love it. Um, and I think, you know, again, slight advantage to, um, you know, to, to BYU in reference to this game. At the same time, if the defensive line, you mentioned Dante Corleone, but if those guys can get to Slovis, you know, and create some pressure, I don't necessarily mean sacking five times, but make him a little bit uncomfortable in there like they did with Dylan Gabriel at times, make him throw maybe off the wrong foot or throw quicker than he needs to, then maybe they can stay in the game. And if it's a close game, anybody can win that. And I looked at the schedule and, um, you know, you, your first – Big 12 game was on the road and played a very, very good Kansas team. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, UCF lost their first one. Houston hasn't played one yet. Um, and Cincinnati lost theirs to Oklahoma. So the four new teams in the Big 12, somebody's going to win a game this week. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, particularly the BYU-Cincinnati game where you've got two of them where they're playing each other. So one of those two teams is going to win. Going to be a fun Friday night. Uh, before Blaine hits you up with five questions, and then we'll let you go to bed. And thanks for staying up with us, by the way. I know you just uh, got no done problem. with your radio no show. We had our we have our coaches show from 8 to 9, which is uh, – you know, from uh, six to seven on on your side. So I was I was up anyway. So you've got a life in football. How many times have you been asked the question, "What was it like to play quarterback for the Buffalo Bills?" <laughs> 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 that might be in the five figures, but definitely <laughs> definitely somewhere over a thousand. <laughs> Yeah, we and we're like, yeah, no, we're talking about we're talking about time. the foot, we're yeah. talking about the football, Jim Still Kelly. Day. <laughs> well, that's you know, good. I generally say, well, he's a little taller and a little younger. But, uh, <laughs> thank you for the compliment. You got it. <laughs> that's great. All right, go ahead, Blaine. Yeah, we're going to give you five questions, Jim. We do with all of our guests that you just answer whatever comes to the top of your head. And uh, okay, your favorite sports movie. Oh boy, favorite sports movie. Man, I would say uh, Hoosiers. Yes, Fantastic there you go. Spencer, yes. Spencer's a guest with us tonight. He's still sitting in. That was his when we asked him earlier. So you guys are on okay. the same page on that. Well, fantastic. Let's see if you guys match up on, on this one. Favorite singer or band? Yeah. Um, probably my age is going to show here. Um, favorite singer or band? I was a huge Beatles fan. Nice. Um, in the early years, maybe not so much down the stretch for Sgt. Pepper's and yeah. the White Album. And yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to say the Beatles. They were a big influence on my life. You okay. cannot miss with the Beatles, that's no. for sure. So, yeah. uh, Favorite breakfast cereal? Yeah. Uh, good. That's another good one. Right now, 
I change them out from time to time. I have a <laughs> box of Cheerios in there now. I have I have life cereal for the first time Classic. in maybe twenty years. Yes, and I really liked it. Did so you, I did you do the that. regular life or the cinnamon life? Uh, it was the cinnamon life. Yeah, yeah. see the cinnamon. I'm, I'm, I'm had a little bit more calories. I understand. Yeah, I love right. I love the cinnamon life. And it's honestly, very good. Cheerios. I used to eat them all the time, but then I realized I put so much sugar on those things. I might as well just eat a sugar cereal. <laughs> Like three yeah, tablespoons of sugar of, was one not of good. the reasons um, I got it is I'm not putting sugar on it. But, uh, <laughs> they, they do taste better with sugar. Yeah, I agree. Cinnamon with life. That's all. Okay. Your favorite ice cream flavor. Hmm. Another tough one. I would, um, I had one today and I, and I don't eat a whole lot of ice cream. I had one today that I really like, but it's probably something you'd, you'd struggle to find. It's made by a Cincinnati company called graders, which is a, a very good ice cream. And it's, uh, it's called uh, uh, toffee chip, so it's a combination oh. of toffee, chocolate chips, hunks of chocolate, uh, and vanilla ice ice cream. It's very, very good. That right. sounds toffee that chip. sounds great. Gra- I- Graders is legit. I've had it multiple times. Yep. I've been to Cincinnati yeah. multiple times. The black cherry chocolate chip or whatever it is they so, have is yeah, that, so that, good. That's Jim, probably their most famous. Oh, the best. Um, yeah, it's it's real it's real ice cream. It's very good. Hey, yep. feel and free to way, bring a couple I, of gallons with I've you. Had, I've had graders <laughs> well, as well. See, so let me with dry ice on the plane. I spent a lot of time in Cincinnati early in my other career when I was working for Merrill Dow Pharmaceuticals, which was based sure. out, out right down in, the road from where I'm in Blue Ash. Yeah, right, I was going to say right, right in Blue down Ash. the road in uh, Reading. Played played a few rounds of golf at Blue Ash Country Club. So okay, yeah. I, I actually live on it. There. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's yeah. Cincinnati is a way underrated city I, I think Cincinnati's got a great it's got the Midwestern hospitality but all the culture of an eastern city and people just don't know that they haven't been there it's a great city yeah well thank you it, and it is it's got everything that you would want in a big city but it's got that Midwestern feel it sure does so here's our last question your favorite uh-huh. Bearcat memory of all time well there's been a bunch and um Let's see. I, I would say on the, the on the field side, the uh, 2009 game against Pittsburgh, um, where both teams were undefeated. Well, no, Pittsburgh had lost a game, but it was for, at that time, the Big East Championship. And Pittsburgh, with a minute and 20 seconds, scored and missed the extra point. Game was tied going into it. And um, Cincinnati drove the length of the field, and Tony Pike threw a touchdown to Armand Benz. To tie the game with about 30 seconds, 25 seconds, Bearcats kicked a, a field goal to, uh, I'm sorry, an extra point to win the game, went on to the Orange Bowl and won the Big East that year. So clearly, uh, you know, even only because that was one that was one of the best live sporting events that I've seen. They were down 17 to nothing. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, 17 points at halftime, came back and won that game. So quite an event to see. Other things were, um, you know, um, certainly uh, I met my wife there, so that yeah. was a big thing. Can't, can't give you a specific day. Um, and being inducted into the Athletic Hall of Fame was big as well. Yeah, Those that's that, that's memories. a huge, yeah. huge honor with such a great institution. So, Hey, we sure appreciate your time tonight. Have a safe trip out here. We'll see you we'll Friday. See you. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to get back out there. Thank we'll, you, guys. We'll see you when you get here, Jim. Thanks, Thanks Jim. so much. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. Hall of Famer Jim Kelly, analyst for the Bearcats, joining us live from Cincinnati and getting us ready for Friday night football ahead of general conference weekend with Zach Wilson and Mahomes capping it off Sunday night. Oh, boy. And Andy oh, Reid in there. And Zach needing to maybe win this to 
keep his job. Uh, what a what a weekend we got although, coming. Although the coach is saying he's our guy. Like, quit questioning it. So that, that's that's they, different than last they year. They brought in Trevor Simeon today. Yeah, yeah interesting. He's, the he's their around. guy, but he's almost not their guy. He needs to start making plays. Yep. And, yeah. and, well, and he, stay the guy. He needs to stop making bad plays. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, make he, some plays. He but they're should, awful. Yeah. Uh, Their offensive line's awful. They're not the, doing the rest much to of the guys on the front. team are capable. They were built for Aaron Rodgers, got, but, but Zach's got to start making plays. When Aaron Rodgers got there and they brought in those skill guys, I'm like, Aaron Rodgers is going to get killed. Yeah. Like, he, like, their offensive line is not good. Like, I, I do not envy anybody that lines up a quarterback on that football team. The Jets are in a spot now, the fans, where they don't care. It's like, it doesn't matter what... How many excuses are legit? Well, no, it's I say, here's make great. some plays I say great. and compete. Trade them or cut them and let them go to some place that's decent. Yeah, a lot of people want them in San Francisco. Yeah, I feel like the scheme yeah. now, and, and the setup and, would and, do and them well. And I'm a little there. biased because I grew up a Giants fan. And never liked the Jets. This is I get the feeling <laughs> from New York. I, I even, just do not like the even Jets. Even Joe Namath turned on him this week. I get the feeling that Sunday night is a a stand. You make the stand. You play well. You keep playing. And if not, you don't. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of things that aren't fair about the whole thing. But sports isn't fair. It never has been. Well, here's the thing. Here's, like, here's the thing. Like, it's not all of New York. Like, nobody wanted to, to um, uh, run Josh Allen out of Buffalo when for two straight years he had the lowest completion percentage in, national, in the National Football League. He was last, dead last. For two years he was miserable. But they're like, well, he's young. He's grown. We're not that good. They, they grew up with him. Not Jets fans. Jets think Not the Jets, Jets fans, fans think differently. Yeah, they've been so bad for so long. That's yep. the problem. They have no patience for anything like this anymore. Right. Their, their patience was expen- like it was expended twenty years ago. Right. They just ha- they just haven't been good Let's since r- Joe Namath. So Joe's allowed to talk. He Let's, can talk. Yeah, he can talk. Let's run through uh, some of our campus notes, and then we're going to go see if your tires got any air. Uh, yes. I just got a notification on my phone. 13 PSI. Is that good? Wait, does your phone tell you how many? Yeah. That, that isn't good. <laughs> that, that's not good under uh, any I, I believe it says critical low. Wait, Please call have, roadside I have assistance. some of those CO2 cartridges from, from my bike. Can we? No, it's not going to work. No, you got any Gorilla Goo? Will Gorilla Goo gorilla work on an all-season tire? We're going to go out there and take gonna, a look. Thank gonna, goodness it's pitch wait, dark. Do you have one of those little tiny spares? No, they're run flats. My car is designed to operate on run flats. Like, they don't even offer you a spare option. Yeah, there's no oh, spare. I don't have man. a spare mine either. German engineering. We're going to figure it out. My goodness. Uh, over the weekend, Andy Reid won his 271st game. That makes him the fourth. Most in NFL history alone, he passes uh, Tom Landry, the Dallas Cowboys legend. So there's just the three in front of him, and uh, what a career Andy Reid's put together. That's great and all, but he set up Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. That's what we really need to be talking about, (laughs) guys. That's that's what a lot of people (laughs) want to hear about. Or he jokes that he did. He says that he did. He says that he did. He's a funny dude. (laughs) Hey, hey, how about, Spencer, you watch this. Chris Books um, rushed nine times for 66 yards in his NFL debut uh, as Miami beat Denver 70 to 20. He ripped, off a, he ripped off a 50-plus yarder. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like – and he didn't – like, I don't know that he ever got the run that he should have gotten when he was here at BYU. His style of running – and this is not to say that Aaron Roderick is a bad offensive coordinator. Or what it, His – Chris Brooks' style of running just – was not built for what BYU, I believe, specifically was trying to do. Right. Like it, and, like, we could probably hear why that is so wrong, and we could have A-Rod on here, and he'd be like, no, it, we designed it for him. It just didn't work out for whatever reasons. But it, 
when you look back at what BYU is trying to do, like he is a big, powerful, fast downhill yeah. back. Hit you in the mouth and, and he, go. He was yeah. good. In, in a couple games down the stretch, he was really good. He was good. Yes, but Chris Brooks' side, that's not his strength. Yeah, yeah. Like his strength is downhill, power, trap, like give him the ball, pull a guard, open up a hole, and let him hit it and go. Yeah. And that's what he did. With Miami on Sunday when he made his debut. But to his credit, like you said, Blaine, he adapted and he did some nice things at BYU. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and so yeah, hopefully. Down the stretch, I thought he was good. Hey, on the other side, there's Puka Nakua. I think he fits in any offense you want him to fit in. I don't care what you're doing, Puka Nakua is going to be He's good. A stud. We were so, asking if Puka was going to have 30 catches on the season in his rookie campaign. He's got 30 catches in his first three games. Yeah. That's the most in NFL history for a guy who's played three games. It's crazy. He's on, he's on pace to have 100 catches plus. He's on my fantasy team, and it's I'd like to like, see it. Like, honestly, when you're watching the game, and they're going, well, in the game plan this week, the entire defensive plan was to try to take Puka Nakua out of it. He's a rookie fifth rounder, and the defense's game plan was to take him away. Yeah, we're going to bracket Puka, and we'll let you try and throw the 2 2 out. You're going to make him somebody else. Yeah. That, that says all you need to know about how Puka has had Still an impact. Still caught early. seven passes, too. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. We mentioned earlier Kyle Van Noy signs with the Ravens. He's going to start on the practice squad. But you don't, si- you don't sign a veteran like Kyle Van Noy unless you plan to elevate him. They'll bring him in, have him on the practice squad, make sure he's fit, and they'll elevate Kyle Get him Van in Noy. shape. You, you do not bring Kyle Van Noy in to be your practice squad guy. This week, Tyler Algier and the Falcons are at the Jags. Chris Brooks and the Dolphins are at the Bills. Watch out, Buffalo. Ravens at the Browns or Sione Takitaki with Cleveland. The Vikings trying to get it right. They got Kyrus Tonga and Jaron Hall against the Panthers. Puka, the Rams are at the Colts. Reunite with Blake Freeland. Uh, Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams are home. The Saints host the Bucks. Michael Davis has got to deal with the Raiders as they go to the Chargers. Fred Warner going to take on uh, the Cardinals. Cardinals flying high after beating the Cowboys as uh, they go to San Francisco. And Andy Reid uh, and the Chiefs against Zach Wilson and the Jets. Sunday night football. Yeah, the, chi- the Chiefs looked like their old selves again the other night, didn't they? Yes, they did. Well, and Taylor Swift was there. <laughs> she inspired everybody. She inspired everybody. Andy- One, you're playing the Bears. And two, you got Taylor Swift in the house. <laughs> Kansas City's going to do exactly what Ex- they did. Seriously. Exactly what they did. Let's run down some campus notes and start with soccer. Yeah, BYU soccer 9-1-1, one, one, as we talked about, that only draw with TCU, and that inexplicable loss at Utah State, as Spencer explained, um, 201 in league. New ranking in the coaches' poll. Um, actually, both polls are number six, right? Yep, now, number right? six. So in the they're in both poll polls. And the, yeah. 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 So uh, this week defeated Baylor um, and number 14, Texas, last night, which was big. Aaron Bailey broke a 2-2 tie with just under seven minutes to play in that one. Thursday, Cincinnati comes to BYU. Spencer, you're calling it. Yeah, uh, this BYU be heavily favored. Uh, this is a Cincinnati team that uh, is their strength is on defense, their defensive backline. They're going to be uh, very, very happy to let BYU build some things and do things in the midfield and keep possession, but they're just going to load up that defensive third yeah. and really try and be disciplined. I, I think BYU is going to win by three goals. But it's they're going BYU is going to have to earn these because they're going to put a lot of defensive bodies, our Cincinnati, in that defensive third to just try and muddy it up and deflect shots and block things and frustrate BYU. Uh, the breakthroughs will come eventually, but yeah, this could be kind of a weird, ugly game for a little bit, and then I think BYU kind of pulls, pulls away. away in the second half. Seven. Spencer on the call for uh, ESPN Plus on that one. Seven o'clock Mountain Time. 
And then they're at Iowa State. That one's on ESPN+. Plus. Spencer won't be on that call. Somebody back in Iowa will be on that one at 5 p.m. on Monday. Women's volleyball, they're now 13-1. and one. They're ranked number nine. They switch places with Texas, who's number 10. The first NCAA Women's Volleyball Selection Committee top 10 has BYU at number eight, one spot ahead of Texas, who's the defending national that? champion. They defeated Houston 3-zip. There, witnessed it. And defeated Baylor 3-zip. Two top 20 wins last week at the Fieldhouse. Yeah. This Thursday, number 9 BYU at number 10 Texas 7 Mountain Time on FS1. And then Friday night, it's the same two teams at 6 Mountain on the Longhorn Network. And they had a cool thing happen to them. Mark Comer was on our show mm-hmm. uh, recently, and, and then this announcement came out. Yeah, he, Mark announced that the Royal Blue Collective um, had a team-wide NIL deal for women's volleyball. That's not unlike the membership program for the foot or the mentorship program for the football team. It'll bring support to every player on the roster. And uh, Mark was on Wise Guys last week talking about big things ahead. This is yeah, one of those. That's things. huge. They're gonna go. I think yeah. they're gonna go sport by sport and take care of every and, sport. And when they talk about mentorship, you know, Mark explained it to us. It's like. We're going to put you in touch with business people. They're going to teach you how to build businesses. Um, we're not going to give you ca- we're going to give you some cash for, for working, but we're not going to give you what you're not going to give you Tennessee cash. But guess what we're going to do? We're going to teach you to network and make money for the rest of your lives and and what you're going to earn in your lifetime. Uh, being part of this program versus what you make the short term cash that a Tennessee or a Texas is going to give you is not going to be comparable. Yeah. You're going to be better off at yeah. BYU with a lifetime of earning possibilities because we're going to teach you how to do this. Great Give stuff. a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Or a woman. <laughs> BYU track and field, the men are number three. They finished second behind number one, Northern Arizona, uh, at the uh, Virginia meet last week. They're next up, October 13th. The Nuttycomb Wisconsin Invitational in Madison. And the women at number six, they finished the Bill Dellinger Invitational in Springfield, Oregon at number one. And their next meet is October 14th, the XC23 Pre-Nationals Invitational in Virginia. That, that These are top six, soccer top six, volleyball's heading to the top six. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's so a good those, time. We talked all summer about those teams being ready. Um for Big 12 play, and they absolutely are proving that that is true. How about basketball, um, men's and women's both announced the schedules today, full schedules now. Um, of, you know, opener of note, Cincinnati January 6th on ESPN2 or ESPNU. Um, and then notable games, Houston and Texas in Provo on January 23rd and January 27th. At Kansas, February 27th. No Kansas in the Marriott Center this nope. year. In fact, that road trip, so... BYU has a home game against Baylor, mm-hmm. I think, on January 20th. And then they got to go to Kansas State and to Kansas back-to-back. Yeah, how about that? Mm. And they're both top 10 teams last year. They were both top three seeds in the NCAA tournament last year. Kansas State was a three seed. Kansas was the one so seed. They only get Kansas once. They only get Texas once. Um, but they do get home-and-homes with Baylor and with Houston this yes. year. Yes, And those are two top 10 programs in the country. Houston is crazy athletic. They look like an NBA team. So that's going to be fun. Women's hoops. The openers at TCU on December 30th. Uh, the home opener is Oklahoma on January 3rd. A notable game at Texas, March 2nd, and a reunion with Shaley Gonzalez, a former BYU star. Oh, man. That'll be something. The Big 12 tournament is March 7th through the 12th in Kansas City. So they go the week before the men. They go the same week as the old WCC tournament. 
And then the men play the weekend down Yes. There, so. Yep. Jimmer Fredette led his three-on-three team to their first FIBA World Tour victory. He's hoping to land a spot on the U.S. Olympic team in the coming weeks. Should know here in the next month or so. I would be shocked if Jimmer Fredette is not representing the red, white, and blue in three-on-three basketball. And shocked. It's, and it's going to be Jimmer Mania all International. over again. Yes. Jimmer Mania International. So fun. The Olympics. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's finish up on this day. We've had a great show. On this day, on September 26th. See, we like to have this uh, history thing, Spencer, at the end of the history. shows. Because we need go. to appreciate where we've been to know where we're going. Exactly. Okay, let's do it. Exactly. Let's do it. So, 1914, whoa. on this day. Whoa. Yeah, we go way back. The FTC is founded to regulate interstate commerce. 1926, the shortest doubleheader in Major League Baseball history. The Yankees lost game one to Boston, 6-1 to one in 72 minutes. <laughs> lost game two, 6-2 to two in 55 minutes. New York had already clinched the pennant, but we wonder if this is the first case of sports teams mailing it in. Uh, maybe, yeah. They, yeah. Also, no commercials and no television broadcast sandbag, helps. Sandbagging, came, that term was defined in that game, sandbagging. Yeah. Now there are innings that are 55 minutes. Yeah. Oh. How about 1949, groundbreaking for the Hollywood sign in Southern California? The new sign replaced the old one, Hollywood Land. Did you ever know there was a Hollywood Land sign? I did not know that. Yeah. On this day, 1962, wow. the Beverly Hillbillies debuted on CBS. The Beverly Hillbillies. What was the really cute girl's name? Ellie Clampett. Ellie. I knew Spencer would know Ellie. Yep. That's and nice. Jed was Jed Clampett Jed. and Ellie Clampett. Yep. There you go. Those are the kids. 1964, a show that I watched because it's a tale of a castaways. Gilligan's Island debuted on CBS in, and this day in 1964. So uh, were you a ginger fan or Marianne? I like Marianne. Sit right back and we'll hear it. Nineteen sixty nine on this day, Brady Bunch debuts on ABC. That's the most important thing you've said it's on the show story tonight. Watched every day after school. Brady Bunch. That's it. Yeah. We know the songs. Nineteen eighty two, Knight Rider debuts oh, on NBC. One of the greatest show opens ever. Kit, like that that Wait, amazing car. Was it Who's the lead Knight Rider? It was uh, David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. Oh, yeah. See, made the only him thing famous. about David ha- that made him famous. The thing about David Hasselhoff, though, when they did, what's the beat show? Oh, uh, the, the Baywatch. 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 So in Baywatch, I couldn't watch it because I would get exhausted watching David Hasselhoff suck in his stomach for a whole show. <laughs> I, just could, I just got exhausted. 1986 on this night, Bobby Ewing returns to the CBS primetime soap opera Dallas. Uh, the previous season then was written off as a dream. Pam goes to see someone in the shower. She opens it up. Bobby turns around, says yeah. good morning, and it all started and, and, again. And it was like, it, what, one in of the world, greatest, what in the world just happened? One of the greatest pivots in primetime soap <laughs> opera television. How about in 2017, Saudi Arabia becomes the, the last country in the world to lift its ban on women drivers. That was it. 2007. It took them to 2017. It's only been six years. They got their own rules over there. It's unbelievable. Birthdays on this day, 1898, George Gershwin. Composer. We, we, we talked about music today. There was always some music in the theme. George Gershwin. 1909, Bill France um, was born, the co-founder of NASCAR. The South would never be the same. 1948, <laughs> Olivia Newton-John was born. And, and Marie's a big fan of Olivia oh, yeah. Newton-John's, right? Marie she came on with us just about a few days after. Yeah. Uh, fun Newton. fact about Olivia Newton-John. My dad was a music composer. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was part of a championship quartet in his own day. Uh, but he wrote music. Olivia Newton-John and her producer found one of my dad's songs, which was part of a, a movie soundtrack at the time that was being developed, and wanted to buy it. Is that right? And the team that was producing the movie said, 
my dad's name is Kent. Kent, don't do it. Like, nope, nope, tell her don't no. Get, yeah. He said no to Olivia Newton John. And he said, it's one of the dumbest mistakes wow. I've ever made. Wow. Hey. <laughs> Oh. So your dad was tough. That, that not not many could withstand that. Oh man, That's good. I'm 1981, and this makes me feel old. 1981 was the birth. Today was the birthday of Serena Williams. Really? Yeah. 81. She's the same age as me. I'm yeah. an 81. You were birthday. born 81. She's already December like of sort of retired. Wow. Yeah, so she's three months older than me. I didn't know that she was three months older than me. Yeah. Deaths on September 26th in 1820. Daniel Boone, frontiersman, yep. used to watch that show on TV. Oh yeah. Yep. Walk but there around actually with your was a cap. real Daniel Boone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You're talking about the real Daniel The real one, yeah, not the actor. Um, how about 1902, the death of Levi Strauss? What impacts he had? I oh wore jeans goodness. earlier today. All over the I world. I jeans on right yeah. now. I don't. I have on shorts and no shoes and socks as usual. 2008, Paul Newman passed away. Yeah. Our wise guy's inspirational quote of the week comes from Paul Newman. Mm. That's right. Paul says, if you're playing a poker game and you look around the table and can't tell who the sucker is, it's you. <laughs> That's There's pretty a good. Lot to unpack yeah. I always thought Paul Newman's greatest role was voicing Doc Hudson in the movie Cars in 2006. Yeah, oh, was yeah. classic. I really, no, he, he really brought that uh, animation. My favorite role out. of Paul. You, you need to go back and watch Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. If oh, you so have. good. Such a classic. So. Also, we've got Newman's own. I believe yeah. in my work uh, fridge, courtesy of Jason Shepard. He always has some some Newman's own salad dressing yep. in there. Nice. Hey, nice. we we want to acknowledge uh, before we go off the air, Tom Ramage, my my mm. old, one of my old coaches, defensive line coach, who passed away this past week. Um, longtime assistant football coach. He was LaBelle Edwards' right-hand man uh, from 73 to 2001. His wife, Winona, uh, preceded him in death, so he's going to joy and sweet Winona, uh, as did his friend LaBelle. Um, happy that they're finally reunited. Tom was one of the great ones, one of the great human beings. I love Tom Ramage. Yeah, and, and just, uh, just old school. Old school Coach two Allen Trophy winners. Yeah. Amazing. A lot of All-Americans, a bunch of NFL Mo Elowanibi and Jason Buck were both coached by Tom Ramage. There you go. So. Lavelle's staff over the years had so much to do with why the stadium's named after Lavelle. That's right. That's yeah. right. Hey, uh, look for C is for Cougar, my new book coming out. November 7th, Deseret Books. can be perfect for Christmas. It's the first BYU football children's alphabet book in the world. And uh, perfect for every BYU fan in the family or any Ute fans that you might know. Um, oh, give it to Ute there's fans There's a legend for behind every letter, and we'll have some pre-order information for you coming up. I want to thank Spencer Linton for hanging out with us. We're going we're to go patch up your car here Let's in a go. sec. Go. Charlie Peterson, former Cougar quarterback, and Jim Kelly, uh, the radio analyst, the Hall of Famer at Cincinnati. So nice to have him on. Yeah, it was great to have Jim. Great to have uh, Spencer in with us for the whole night. It's been fun. Yeah, I don't know if you intended that or if Brittany intended you actually be here. Well, the for way the that whole she show. was texting me uh, for the last 20 minutes, I don't think she intended oh, it's for it. But it's okay. Blame it on me. She's happy that I'm here with friends that can help me get through yep, we're uh, go figure yeah. my out. small trial outside. Our podcast goes up tomorrow. Share it with your friends and please subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. It's all free and we're. Uh, we're, this is this is such a fun gig, and we're just getting bigger and bigger. Chase Roberts is going to join us next week. Yep, be fun. We'll see you next Tuesday and Friday night. We'll see you Friday night. We'll we'll all be there for you. What time? What time will we go on game day? Six p.m. Mountain time. Six Mountain. Make sure you join us at Six Mountain on BYU TV live over air and in, in the linear format or on the app. If you're in Panama or someplace where you want to watch on the app, you can watch it live. Uh, the three of us will be there along with the. With Dave and with uh, Bilo. Speaking of Panama, uh, Richard says another great show watching from Panama. There you go. Thanks so much. See you guys. See you next week.